Today I'm joined by my friend Jordan Frank. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. It's just fascinating to see how someone's mind works when they're brainwashed by certain sets of beliefs and how far they're willing to go. But also even more interesting is how they manage to escape that. I've known Jordan for over six years. Over those years, he's gone through some major, major shifts in his understanding of the world. Jordan was brought up Christian, and then he became heavily involved with the prosperity gospel and the word of faith movement. Uh, these are two heretical teachings within Christianity. Jordan eventually left his Christian faith and uh, became an agnostic. He's an educator and a professional photographer. He's also a third culture kid. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome my friend, Jordan Frank. Jordan, thanks for joining me, man. It's been... Yeah, yeah, it's good to be here. <laughs> uh, okay, anyways, okay. All right. Two, one. It's all good? Yeah. So, you teach high school students. Yes. Right? And you taught students before, mm-hmm. and then you took a break, and you worked on your photography business. Mm-hmm. So, take us back to the first time that you started teaching, right? Something mm-hmm. happened, right? Yes. Uh, so, I guess... Uh, I could start at the beginning. I was uh, raised Christian, yeah. and um, my parents were either pastors or involved with the church in some leadership role. Since I was born, they had yeah. always been doing that. They had thought that as a family, we were going to be a missionary family, and mm-hmm. were looking for opportunities to move overseas and to and to uh, live that sort of life. But then the baby started coming, and people were saying, oh, "I don't think I would want to take young kids overseas, right, mm-hmm. to these mm-hmm. third world countries." So they waited. Finally, um, so when I was about 12, back in 2004, okay. we moved as a family to Honduras, and they took teaching jobs down there, and uh, we were going to church in this dump, basically a dump. Really? Yeah, so it was called Suyapa. Yeah. In the church was a dump, or the place that you guys... Well, the meeting? whole community was a dump uh, in this part of the city. Yeah. Tegucigalpa was the name of the capital yeah. city where... We lived, but this particular part of the city, Suyapa, was uh, actually where the government sent all the people that were affected by Hurricane Mitch back in 1991. To live? Yeah, so well, they said, oh, we're going to put you there temporarily and we're going to get you uh, what you need to to live and get back on your feet. But the years went on and nothing happened. And I don't know if it was corruption or or, or just forgetfulness, but I mean, it's hard to overlook these thousands of people living living. right on the edge of the city. Okay. Do they have like proper housing? No, that's what happened is that they were initially set up in tents. So they were set up in just temporary housing or or um, in vehicles even. And they started to pull up the ground underneath them because uh, it was a dump or it was a landfill at one point. So they started to pull up this garbage from the ground and they were building little huts and any, any makeshift settlement they could come up with. Okay. And they started to live there for... The first few months and then next kind few years in. yeah they settled in because they realized that nothing was gonna oh, nothing was being done for them by the government and uh 
So eventually, the government, I'm talking years later, they, yeah. they came in and made roads for them. And they made... Wait, they in, just, the, in this place? In where? this place, yeah. So they just said, okay, that's... <laughs> all right. So they didn't end up actually giving them new houses? New, no. They're just no. like, okay, you guys have been here, we're just going to make roads. Exactly, then. yeah. So they just treated it like a new suburb, I guess. What? But, but you can you could tell just by driving through this place that this was a dump. Like, yeah. you're driving on these roads... But there's just there's garbage everywhere, and you look at a lot of the houses, and they really are just made. There, you can see like the sheet metal and the plastic yeah. and, and whatever they dug up to make these That's crazy. buildings. But what was interesting about that was uh, the contrast. So yes, we lived in Tegucigalpa, but we lived up on the mountain where there were a lot of richer uh, communities. There was a lot of richer people with their gated communities and, yeah. and all that. Um, and going to the school we went to for high school um, was the best school in the country and it was uh, a lot of kids who went there were relatives of the president and like daughter of the head of the navy and the the head of the army and And big shots yeah big shots Um, so it was just interesting seeing the contrast of that and being surrounded with that life throughout the week and then in the on the weekend we would go down for church in this dump and uh it was a good experience looking back. Of course, like that's a lot to take in for a twelve-year-old. Yeah, you know, and siblings as well. Siblings, and they were younger. Like my my brother's older, and then I have two younger sisters. Yeah. So that was a lot to take in um, to find out not only that we're moving to this other country, but not knowing what that really meant. Right. It's not like moving to the states. Were they? Did your parents tell you? Hey, guys, did they have like a a family meeting? And they're like, okay, yeah, we're gonna go to Honduras. Yeah. What? What's Honduras? Yeah, exactly. We were like, oh, that's cool. Are we going to live in a grass hut? Like, that's what I thought. Oh, we're going to live in a grass hut. I thought it was going to be an adventure. And then, um, yeah, they did. They got us all together and they sat us around the table and they told us this. And and so after that, I went to play chess with my brother because we were just trying to, like, understand what we had just heard. What does this mean as a family we're moving to Honduras? Um, and just sort of think it through. So there's the initial excitement, and then it became like, oh, well, what's going to happen with all our friends here and our our life and our plans here? Um, What's life going to look like down there? But there was also excitement, too, because, hey, you're moving to this new country. It's it's all exotic. And I think, like, the most we knew about these other countries or what we saw from movies or, like, um, I don't even know. But it it sounded like an adventure. but it definitely took some time to, to get used to the idea. And then even down there, uh, the first year was really, really tough. Really? Yeah, because... Like as uh, a family or like for you specifically? Well, for all of us. Yeah. And then for me as well. Um, we didn't have permanent housing for the first six yeah. weeks. So we lived in this building that didn't really have... It wasn't like a properly sealed building. Most most, most buildings down there aren't. Um, there, like you mean like properly sealed isn't like there weren't doors and... They're, they're, the doors are often just left open. The yeah. windows didn't have screens or anything. They're just yeah. like glass slats. Yeah. So, uh, and there was right on the, the highway where all these trucks and cars would be chugging up this one road to get up the mountain. Yeah. So you could wipe the table in the morning and come back at lunchtime and it would be black again from the soot from the cars. And um, the windows weren't sealed, so bugs would get in, and I got like a lot of bug bites from that time, which I still have scars from. Just chagas and, or not chagas, chiggers is what they would call it. It's a, uh, it's a certain type of bug that could give you chagas disease, but I don't think I got that. So, oh, geez. but anyway, so it was stressful because it was, it was new, and you're young, young, and 
that's a pivotal age, I think, yeah. like 12. And you, um, you didn't know Spanish, did you? Didn't know Spanish. Uh, didn't really know anyone down there. My dad had been down on a few missions trips yeah. for a few weeks and then decided, okay, we're going to move there as a family. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was stressful. And we eventually did have our permanent housing built farther up the mountain, closer to the school. So we moved out of that first place. Um, I just want to say, like, I was very grateful for that family giving us that place to stay with them for six weeks. That was really nice of them, but it was good to have our own place, too. Um, Yeah, and and then uh, the first year was tough because we were white and we were relatively poor and all the students there were rich and Honduran for the most part. Um, I would say like 90% 90 of them were there on on their own dime and no financial assistance at all or anything like that. Um, So we were, first of all, just different. We were outsiders and they didn't expect any of these teacher kids to stay for any longer than a year or maybe two Mm -hmm. years Mm because oftentimes they'd come and and finish their contract and then leave. Um, So they didn't feel like for the first two years they're going to make any efforts to make friends with us. Right, because they think, oh... What's the point? Because they, they're going to leave and then we're going yeah. to lose a friend. So like, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So it, it made it tough to break into some of the cliques. But there were some very good Honduran friends that I had over the the next, you know, third, fourth, and fifth year as they began to open up. Yeah. Their, um, yeah, so very, very good close friends. And uh, I guess they just realized, oh, he's not going to just leave on us, you know. And uh, I ended up staying all the way till graduation, and then and then coming back to six, to Canada. Six years. Five five years five, for me. Five years. Okay. Yeah. So grade seven, or no, grade eight, grade nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah. yeah. So okay, so you were there. I'm assuming you picked up a little bit of Spanish, maybe. Mm-hmm. So five years. You're there. You get in, and then you move back to Canada. Mm-hmm. It's completely different, right? Yeah. Like everything here is very developed. People don't honk their cars here. I mean, yeah. unless it's winter. <laughs> For some yeah. reason, people in the winter are just like super, super short-tempered. Uh-huh. Um, so you come back here, and then you end up going to a Christian university. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Redeemer University College down in Ancaster. Yeah. So I felt like I wanted to be a teacher. In grade 12, I was already teaching grade 5, 6, and 8 oh, really? just as, as an elective. And so I'd go every day and and teach these classes, teaching Bible classes, teaching science. I felt like I wanted to do something in science. Okay. So then when I got to Redeemer, I thought, well, I want, I I picked them because they did have a reputable certified teachers program yeah. through Ontario uh, College of Teachers. And uh, so I went there for that. And then I knew I wanted to do biology. So I, I got those two degrees. And... Um, yeah, and, and then I went on to teach at a small fundamental Christian school up in the Quarthas. And yeah, and that's kind of where it connects back to what yeah, you were yeah. initially saying. That was the first uh, job I had teaching yeah. right out of university. So you, you, you start teaching here. Were you, like, what, what were you expecting when you went and taught at this, um, was it a high school or just a school? It was, uh, it was a K to 8 school okay yeah so i taught grade six seven eight in mm-hmm. one classroom it was a split class there was yeah. 23 students i think yeah and uh that was really tough that was tough but it was so much fun like i tough loved because... it well it was tough because they didn't really um they didn't have a curriculum that you could use 
every year. So I had to oh. develop a curriculum for each grade level, and then I couldn't reuse it the next year because the same kids are in the class, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, every every year I was creating an entirely new curriculum right. and, and trying to teach it to three different grade levels, and that was really tough. So I hardly had any free time at all. It was like going home, and you're doing four hours of prep for the next day. So it was stressful, um, but so much fun. Like I loved it. It was like, oh, I I am. Do you miss it? Uh, I did. Like I am now teaching are... again. Yeah, that yeah. school itself, I, like I miss the, the students. In yeah. Class. Well, I, I yeah, I miss some of the students. I have been back to visit because yeah. I became very close with some of the parents, and mm. uh, just the community was a tight knit community. Yeah. So I'd often visit them after school. They'd say, "Hey, come on over and watch a movie," and mm. and it was just a very close, tight knit community. And I miss that, but I still have friends up there that I'll see and, and talk to every yeah. once in a while. So that's. That's good, yeah. <laughs> I know I know I'd have a place to stay if I ever yeah. uh, was passing through. But uh, but you ended up leaving the um uh, the school mm-hmm. under somewhat scandalous <laughs> situations. Scandalous. Oh, I th- I don't think scandalous is the right word, but um so So what what happened? Yeah, so I was hired yeah. as a Christian because this is a Christian school and yeah. they wanted me this is and we're talking like you, you like said fundamentalist fundamentalist Fundament, so what do you so, mean by fundamentalist? well so the the bible and everything in it is true it's like historically true. factually like scientifically true yeah and so they like, had a statement of faith for me to sign basically saying that god is uh the the, the only god and jesus is son and it was very standard christian stuff and that the bible is true and infallible and all that yeah but they're so they're just so they're like literalist so they take the bible yeah. whatever it's saying yeah very young earth very young earth, yeah very six thousand years yeah dinosaurs humans exist at the same time right, i'm just gonna reset this <laughs> oh. yeah uh, our camera shuts off after 30 uh, minutes so we have to reset it yeah <laughs> it's very janky we're still t- trying to get this going <laughs> trying to get it to this is gonna be we're gonna have a. Okay, so I'm gonna just start this again. <clears throat> so, so that was. was <sighs> oh man! <laughs> I feel like uh, you know what we could do. Yeah. We, we don't like the, if we keep doing it 30 minutes. It'll message. It'll like interrupt the conversation flow. Mm-hmm. So we could do it one more time and just let it be, and then we could just like. You know what I'm saying? Really? Okay. Because because it's it's like a. Once we get going, you don't want to stop because then you're yeah. like, oh. Well, I could probably jump back into it. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> so I forget what I was... I was asking... I forget what I was going to say. Oh, uh, oh, but, oh yeah. The, the oh, the, the, fun, the statement of faith. Yes. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So statement of faith, they were very much a literal Bible is true historically. Everything in it is true. It's a fact. Yeah. Like yeah. And everything in the world can be explained by the words in the Bible and... and uh, yeah, mm. so it was, mm. the school itself was started by three main groups, I believe. I know it was Baptists and CRC, yeah. uh, Canadian Reformed Church. Um, I can't remember what the third one was, Mennonites? maybe Evangelical. But, like Evangelical is very broad. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, shoot, no, I can't, I can't remember what the third one. But the main one, which I know because the two, some of the, the two most founding members were, one was CRC, Baptist. the other was Baptist, okay. yeah. Um, so you, so did you come in? Would you have considered yourself pretty fundamentalist when you came up, or when you came in? 
No. Um, or I would have said I was a Christian, and when I signed that statement of faith, I looked over and I said, "Yeah, I can agree. I can agree with all of this, every point on there." Yeah. And uh, so I you signed it. You had no problem it. with it. Well, I had questions, but not okay. anything that I could say. Yes, I could stand on yeah, yeah. on on my own two legs on these issues and mm-hmm. and say this is for sure. I had my doubts. I had my questions, but it was in the back of my mind, right? So, uh, so I signed it saying, "Yep." I'm just going to have to explore some of these questions on my own, and which I'll get to in a minute. But uh, it's, um, yeah, so so throughout university, I had my own journey. I had my own questions, and I had tried a bunch of different churches. Mm. I was going to all these different yeah. churches, because now this is my first time on my own. I was 17, going to university, and and out from under my parents' influence for the most part because they had then moved to korea after honduras and lived there for six years with my sisters and my brother and i had come back to canada right so i was out from under their influence for the most part although i would often we would talk and we had had skype calls and all that and just see how you're doing and Mm -hmm. all that um but for my own questioning Mm -hmm. or my own journey i was going to all these different churches to see if it was right for me or what some of these other denominations believed so I went to like Methodist, Anglican, Evangelical, Bible chapels, Charismatic, Pentecostal, Catholic. Word uh, of faith as well. Word of faith. Yeah. All, all these different. I got into like televangelists. Yes. Health okay. and wealth. Okay. Oh. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Yeah. So you were into like the, the word of faith movement. Yes. Like quite deep. Very were, deeply. Yes. You were like. As deep as you could go. Oh, yeah. You were like in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, so like, how did you get into it? Was it like uh, through someone that you knew, or was it through your, you know, when you were exploring, you're like, oh, I'm gonna check this out, and you went there, and you're like, oh, some guy randomly comes up to you and, you know, prophesies, you know, Jordan, I, um, I, I see this vision, and you know, you're gonna be blah blah blah, and you're like, well, okay, or like, what, what was it like? Um, well, it started in Honduras. When, in Honduras? Yeah, it actually started in Honduras. It was in my twelfth. Well, in 12th grade, I was realizing as I'm applying to these different colleges that life is going to start going pretty soon here. Yeah. I'm going to have to start um, taking some things seriously and and taking on some of these beliefs as my own and understand why I have them. And of course, to me at that time, I never considered any other option besides Christianity. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. within Christianity, what are my beliefs and why do I believe them and, and how could I understand it better? Um, and so my mom had given me this little book called From Faith to Faith by Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland? Oh, the, <laughs> oh, the, oh. Dear, the dear good Kenneth Copeland. Okay. Oh, man. I'm surprised your mom would have given you that. Well, she gave it to me because her, her brother, my uncle, gave it to her. Uh-huh. And um, apparently it had helped him. And uh, so she gave it to me and said, well, read over this, but like test it and yeah. ask questions. Okay, that's and good. as you go through it's going to make its points and at the bottom you can write what you think about it. I see. So I thought like that so was pretty like commendable. Kind of like testing, like reading and then doing your own homework. And then yeah, yeah. And she had already done that herself in the book and she had crossed out different parts or put a question mark here at yeah. this statement or whatever. And it was just covered with all these like comments that she had made. And so yeah. I had gone through and done it myself as well mm-hmm. because she was kind of like, oh, I don't know if this is really true, but it, sounds like it sounds promising i guess like okay. if it is true it, it's a good thing um so i 
started reading that. And then as I got back to Canada and started going to university, I was realizing, whoa, this is stressful. This is like, this is new. I don't have my family anywhere close. Yeah. Um, and I am having all these questions about the truth of the truth of life, the truth of the Bible, and how do you handle how do you handle anxiety? How do you handle mm. depression? Mm. And I would say that that was probably the first time in my life, especially through that winter, being back here in Canada around like the winter, uh, January winter, and February, okay. yeah, that I felt like depressed for the yeah. first time, and that was a new uh, new feeling for me because I think up until that point I was always a happy you know healthy teenager and yeah. always laughing and having so it must have been like super straight for you really like whoa what's happening to yeah me? And i'm like oh shoot like this is this feels awful yeah um so i was searching especially during that time trying to trying to find what i could stand on as like no this is truth and mm. this is something i can turn to in mm-hmm. times of trouble um and these are like steadfast beliefs and then yeah. um, because i also knew that i'm training to be a teacher yeah I want to know what I believe um, because I, I feel like it's even more important as a teacher. You're not just uh, holding to beliefs that can get you by okay. You're also thinking about how those beliefs are going to affect other people because other people are going to be learning from you. Other people are going to be um, observing you. And, and so I thought, well, I need, to, I need to you know, really think about what I believe and how that might affect somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I started doing a lot of devotions, and I was listening to sermons um, all the way up till my third year of university. I was really going hard with that stuff, and and you know sometimes listening on on weekends, maybe ten hours a day. What? Yeah, ten hours a day of what sermons. Are you, what were you listening to? Well, it got more and more fringe, and that's just part like of the fringes, story. And you're talking about like more and more word faith, word of faith, word of faith, like, and all the people related to these televangelists, okay, yeah. Copeland and all his his buddies yeah um, so like word of faith for some of our listeners that don't know word of faith is just like uh, a fringe group of i guess you'd call them christians who believe that mm-hmm. if you claim it in the name of jesus you're gonna get it whether mm-hmm. that's health mm-hmm. uh, wealth health wealth happiness, happiness prosperity yeah. all that yeah and like so they are the ones who will be like um if you send me ten dollars i will give you this blessed handkerchief it will heal you of <laughs> your cancer yeah you know it's, that's that's what the word of faith is so you so you started listening you started going more into the fringe of uh word of faith yeah so 10 hours on the weekend oh yeah and i always had my headphones on what? always listened to that's I actually, crazy yeah i know i looked back on it and all the sermons i had watched amounted to more than a month of 24 7 listening time like it was hundreds of hours like it yeah it was crazy um i was i was a partner with kenneth colton ministries i had sent him probably him money oh yeah you send him money yeah and that's the embarrassing part and i feel like that's the thing that if i if i talk about it you know i mean maybe it, it helps somebody else but yeah. it's embarrassing like did you send him a significant amount of money hundreds if not thousands of dollars yeah yeah same with what? so some of the others would have been um well, others that I... Like Benny Hinn was there. Well, John Bevere was John in there. John Bevere, like... I experimented with certain people. I liked Joseph Prince for a while. Joseph Prince, that Asian guy? Yeah, from Singapore. Singapore. Yeah, 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 yeah. I liked his message. And I think it actually helped me move along on my journey where it was more about learning about grace because up until that point, I had felt like I lived my life very strictly. And mean? I felt like I was controlled by 
the law. So in, in a sense, seeing the Bible as a book, a book of laws and, and it told me how to live my life. And if I didn't, I was in danger of losing all this health and wealth that I'd been promised okay. and, and that I was, um, you know, speaking into existence or whatever it was yeah, yeah. that they, they said. So, so uh, I felt very uptight and I felt very like I had to just keep going with this word of faith movement and I had to keep saying and naming and claiming whatever it was that I wanted to happen in my life that was good and that led me to be very stressed that led me to um, uh, take myself very seriously mm. and um, you, well, you mean it stressed you out mm-hmm. when you're part of the word of faith why, what, but why would it stress you out well it stressed me out quite a bit because um, here I am giving my money away yeah and bills aren't being paid i'm mm-hmm. racking up credit card mm-hmm. debt mm-hmm. just crazy crazy stupid decisions yeah. um but really really believe that it's true when oh yeah that. because oh they've got the bible verses to back it up yeah right and they're very charismatic yes they're very which they are yeah oh they are and they're engaging and and uh they believe it themselves so mm-hmm. of course like they were just so convincing to me which, but that's me from my sheltered childhood, from my only knowing about Christianity, yeah. only knowing about the Bible and the Bible being true. And then okay. there's also there's the fear of of losing out what I had put years of work into getting, which yeah. was like you know pressing on in, investment, return on investment. You're like okay, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. So it stressed me out quite a bit. And throughout this time, I was still making it i guess as a as a student where i was i was doing well in my classes and uh second year was tough i dipped and i came back up and and uh and i i was asked to be an ra for this one dorm so that means resident that's advisor. where i first met you mm-hmm. yes that's right well uh, was it or was it uh, Maybe it was I think fourth it was year. fourth fourth years when I was an RA. I okay. think you came over to yeah, my place in third year, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 You were I, I visiting with friends. Yeah. So you were placed in a crash. Um, so you or you, I was a place of crash. Yeah. I, yeah. We we went and crashed over, and I was like, "What? This guy?" So and I mean, just to go off on a tangent, Jordan, when I first met him. And it was like four of us that came and crashed at your place, and you're like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, you can sleep." You were like, "Really?" It's like this. And so, and then you you were like, um, "What time are you guys leaving in the morning?" We're like, "We're gonna go at like six. And you're like, "Okay, I'll 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 get up and make you breakfast." We're like, "No, no, no, just don't don't get us wake." And I believe you woke up actually and made us breakfast. And I'm like, "Man, this guy's crazy! Like he's so hospitable." I'm like, "What is going on?" Anyways, that was my first impression. Yeah, but uh, so so you became an RA. You're going through this like, I guess journey going into the depths of like word of faith movement mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and why like what is it exactly because you know is it just the, is it just your personality type do you think that you're like very easily mm. drawn in or mm. is it you know something like did your brother get into the word of faith or did you, um, or your parents were the faith people? Well, not really. And I think that's maybe part of why I felt interested. I felt like it would... Uh, well, first of all, I'm a very open person. I'm a very... Like, I like to try new things. I like to have new experiences. Yeah. So I thought, well, this sounds fun. Like, this sounds cool. I yeah. want to learn... And I'm also very curious. Yeah. So I wanted to learn more about this movement. And I thought it would give me answers to some of my questions. Mm-hmm. And it sounded good. It sounded very promising. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'm going to... I'm gonna um, explore, I guess. 
dip my toes in. And, uh, and I also thought like, well, maybe this would give me, you know, this, maybe this is going to help me make something of myself, okay. you know, because there, a large part of that movement is playing into the delusions of grandeur and, yeah. and everybody's a, you know, everyone's a, a prophet sent from God to, to change the world. Right. They're like a knight or they're a king and all this stuff. They're, they're going to change the world. Yeah. And it very much plays into people's sense of like wanting to do something greater, um, but uh, in a delusional kind of way. Okay. Um, so, um, so, sorry. Um, can't remember what I was going to say. Well, I mean, yeah. so you, you, you're into this. You're very curious. You, you want to check this out. You check it out. You go deep. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Well, it kind of all builds up. So here every You're day, sending money. Yeah, sending money. And, and the other thing too is that it was very isolating. Yeah. Because there, I it was taught that there were going to be people that would try to dissuade you, and there were going to be really? yeah. So it, there's going to be people that are doubters and they don't believe you, and you just gotta you gotta keep saying the word of God, and you gotta okay. keep reciting these verses that promise you certain yeah. things, and they're gonna dissuade you and if it really comes to it you got to cut them out of your life so i th- i just think of this one time where my brother was coming down to see me and i love my brother i absolutely uh cherish him and the memories that we have together and yeah. um so i was looking forward to seeing him but this one weekend i was going through what i thought was spiritual warfare which was actually just me not eating enough food it's <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like oh, i'm in the middle of a battle and i need to like take time and and I also didn't have a great sleep that night. And of course, I don't know why this isn't coming to my mind, but I'm thinking, oh no, this is spiritual warfare because it's just that much more exciting to think. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, it's not something mundane and boring. It's just right. like, yeah, it plays, it's just like the human mind where like, you know, you as a guy, you, you want to you wanna be in battle. Oh sort, yeah. You know? So you're like, oh, I'm in spiritual Oh warfare. yeah, it's very enticing. And yeah. uh, so when my brother's coming down to see me, he's driving the two hours from home to Hamilton yeah. or Ancaster and and halfway there he you know halfway to, to me I yeah. call him and I said I can't meet anymore I'm sorry what I know and he oh. said oh okay oh. he was bummed out right oh, uh, poor guy I know I felt terrible I felt like oh I was doing the right thing but you're thing. like dead seriously well I thought like... I thought I was doing the right thing yeah. and it's just, it feels hard because it's the right thing and it feels right. And sometimes hard, sometimes right things are hard. Sometimes, but, but this was like, this yo. this particular situation. Yeah, like, use your brain. Like, he's, <laughs> he's like, first of all, just have some food, maybe have a nap, and you'll feel a lot better. This is not spiritual warfare. Um, but of course, like, he's, yeah. He's we've, like, t- we've talked about that yeah. uh, since then and yeah, kind of laughed. Out, so he laughed. He, went, he traveled back. Yeah, I traveled oh. back. So I felt, I felt awful, but here I'm thinking, no, I'm doing the right thing. Okay. Um, so there's just little situations like that where it was starting to isolate me. And, and so I'm doing devotions now as well, maybe an hour or two every day trying to read through the Bible. And I read through the Bible several times in, in this period of, you know, three, three, four years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then it also isolated me in that I felt that I could not listen to any music that wasn't God glorifying or wasn't worship music. Okay. And I felt that I, uh, <clears throat> I couldn't watch any movies that, weren't explicitly Christian movies. Oh, you know. Oh, I except s- for this one time, I was just walking home and I got in the dorm and oh, these guys are watching Moulin Rouge in the living room. I'm just gonna, you know, just 
Peek it's in. a cheat day, right? I'm going to peek in. Yeah. I stood there for the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just watching the whole movie. And I loved it. It was awesome. Um, great movie. All right. So what? So, I did, so okay. Yeah. Music that wasn't explicitly Christian, mm-hmm. you refused to listen to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Movie that wasn't explicitly Christian, mm-hmm. you refused to watch. Mm-hmm. And was that a, like a conscious decision that you came to? one day or was it just like slowly over time you're like okay i'm gonna cut out this music i'm gonna mm. cut out this movie and it just like sl- got to a point where you're like actually you know music uh and movies that aren't explicitly christian i'm not gonna watch like, well, mm. how did you get to that point it was it was basically me thinking to myself that this is the um the best way to live life and to reach my goals. Okay. I was very driven, but in kind of a misguided way. Right. Okay. So I always wanted to be the best at whatever it was that I was doing. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to be the best Christian, yeah. I'm going to only watch Christian movies. Yeah. And in my yeah. mind back then that made sense. Yeah. And so I became just that much more disconnected, that much more sheltered in my own little bubble mm-hmm. and isolated from people that cared about me or, for example, if my, my aunt once sent me some emails and said, hey, how are you doing? And, yeah. oh, I'm doing fine. And, and I was not doing fine. That weekend was like a real tough, again, spiritual warfare weekend for me. Yeah. Um, so I was feeling terrible. And again, I wasn't sleeping very well. I wasn't eating very good. And, uh, but I was not being honest with the people that cared about me. And, yeah. and again, that's just isolation. And uh, that was this belief, this idea, ideology that i had sort of protecting itself like a virus and, and yeah, trying yeah. to continue itself farther and farther and any other person coming in and questioning what you believe like is a threat right yeah, yeah yeah so it was very dangerous again i was giving away all this money and and uh even belongings watches and like just like really yeah clothes and and to random people or even to to these pastors who would come in on their private jets and come speak and I'll yeah. give him my watch. It was just, Whoa. it was, it was crazy. No, but, but the reason I'm talking about this is as bare as, as, as embarrassing as it is, I feel like it's important for people to know what is being talked about in some yeah. of these churches. And mm-hmm. I feel like maybe somebody can learn from this. Yeah. Um, and if not, then it's a good laugh and it's something interesting that happened. Um, you know, uh, it's a, it's a good story or something. I don't know, but, uh so fourth year yeah i was i was an ra resident advisor so i had seven first year guys in my in my dorm and and this is the peak of my uh religiosity or my like your fundamentalist yeah not even like at this point i had has gone beyond like this is like fringe this is heretical uh, heretical (laughs) in the eyes of many yeah christians so i was you know just just crazy uh, beliefs at that time so the guys would be moving in yeah. on that first week of school and for the whole week leading up to them moving in i would walk around the dorm and just pray over it and yeah. say like oh all the demons have to to get out of here and and that was a that was a big thing again with the spiritual warfare believing that at every corner there's going to be a demon that was going to try to mess you up and yeah. it it very much played on my nerves and um that's and this part was something of, that was taught within. yeah it was very much taught okay. in well well kenneth copeland and uh and word of faith uh 
people in general, uh, they would talk about spiritual warfare and demons and how they're out to get you and all that. And, and uh, oh, they would say, you don't have to worry because God gave you more power, but yeah. you do have to fight them. Yeah. And you fight them by speaking certain Bible verses okay. and saying certain truths about Jesus and who you are in Jesus. They would say, um, "I am a, you know, I'm a, I'm an overcomer and all that." Okay. And so demons get out of here. But the thing is, that was taking up almost all my time because I thought that any time I had a bad thought, I had to verbally rebuke that thought and okay. and say, um, "Be gone, thought." <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh no i had to like verbally speak these these bible verses and like, uh, just proclaim yeah things. yeah okay. and so either in my head or under my breath or whatever and and it just became like a never-ending thing like you see a beautiful woman oh oh wait was i just lusting there hmm, hmm. i better just be safe and yeah. be like oh you know get away thoughts or whatever or like the, in, the, in the mind right you know those lustful thoughts right <laughs> right so um yeah and it, it just became like a never-ending thing and and i became very um i don't know what the word is like just caught up in my own mind and and right I, like i, I like yeah. when you're describing this, right, the, the word that comes to my my mind is brainwashed like that's the, yeah you, it seems like you were just like brainwashed to the max right? oh absolutely by myself too yeah like i'm doing I mean, like this. if you're listening to yeah. sermons like these sermons for like mm-hmm. 10 like 10 yeah. hours on the weekend mm-hmm. that's insane like, i mean yeah most people don't spend that much amount of time on hobbies that they like yeah yeah you know yeah no it was i'm again i i am a bit of an obsessive person so if there's <laughs> <laughs> just a bit Just a little bit, you know. If there's something that I feel like I could do better, and it, if it just takes time or effort that other people aren't going to get in, yeah, then I, then I'll do it and I'll yeah. get ahead, right? And that was just my. And that's not bad. That's process. not necessary. No, it, it's okay. I mean, it needs to be tempered, and it is a good thing in itself, I think. But yeah, it needs to be balanced, uh, which I've had to learn since then. But but uh, yeah, so I thought, oh, I'm getting ahead. I'm getting this is this is going to be my edge. And uh, because other people, my family or so, or, or circle of friends, they don't really believe this stuff. Yeah. Um, this isn't healthy self-talk at all, of course, as I'm looking back now. But um, that was my that was my idea at the time. Um, yeah. So so I'd be uh, so I'd be walking through the dorm, praying for it, um, praying for the guys and and all the time praying good things and hoping that they would you know do well in school yeah. and would grow and be uh yeah, good men intentions. of character oh yeah good yeah. intentions i would say um you know a lot of it was good but i think uh that's why it was so hard to let go of because mm-hmm. it's like no this is good and uh what i'm saying is good but it was having a massive toll on me personally mm-hmm. so Eventually, that came to a head when I said to the guys in the dorm, "Oh, you can't watch uh, movies that aren't Christian as well." You told I, them this. I told them this, yeah, and okay. you can't like listen to music that's not Christian because okay. I felt like, "Oh, this is me going a, a step above and beyond." Okay, and it's so embarrassing to admit right now, but yeah, that was my thought process, yeah. and they weren't happy with that because, of course, they're not on the same journey that I am. They have did no they idea where I'm coming though? from. Uh, some of them did; they were just like out of oh, respect, kind of yeah. like. Okay. 
but they were just listening on their own time, right? Yeah. And um, uh, eventually, I don't really want to go into details <laughs> with what happened, but um, ah. <laughs> we could edit it out <laughs> if we want to. But uh, basically, they were going off. Some of the guys were going off to play a show. They they had a screamo band. So they're going to go off to do okay. a show on a Friday night. Okay. This is a few weeks after school had started. And I don't know, have I told you this story before? No, I don't think so. Okay. I... Yeah, well, anyway, so they're going off. They're getting the van loaded up with all the gear and, and equipment. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, they're going off to play a Screamo concert. That's not, that's not like that's a not holy Christian. thing. Yeah. That's not a Christian thing. Like, I need to, like, this is my moment to, like, shine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just shine, right? Here I go. And uh, so I, I go over to the van as there's as they're pulling out after me having stood there kind of like I'm supposed to be going to class, but I'm there on my bike on the side just kind of pointed towards class, but looking back and thinking, oh, I need to say something to mm. these guys before mm. they go, and because Screamo is not God honoring, okay. Um, and so finally, as they're pulling out, I think, oh, this is my moment. It's that last sort of like, oh, if I don't, if I don't jump on this now, God's going to be angry at me. Yeah. Or God's going to be disappointed or something. Okay. So I went over to the window of the driver and I, I said, uh, um, oh, what, well, I said, I'm trying to think of the exact words. It was like, if what I've been saying is true, because this, these first few weeks of that year, I was talking to them about being holy and like, pressing into God and getting to know him better and, you know, uh, forming your relationship with him and all that stuff in like a deep sort of earnest way. And I felt like they weren't really getting it. And so then I'm thinking, oh, well, God's powerful. He does miracles. He does all these things that I was hearing from the Pentecostal churches that I was going to and the charismatic churches uh, that I was going to. And so I thought, well, they just need a sign and then they're going to understand what I'm talking about. So... They, so I'm saying, I'm talking there, sort of leaning on the door. I'm saying, if what I've been saying is true, then um, I'm going to jump in the air and God's going to hold me there to prove that what I'm saying is true. Okay. <laughs> so okay. I jumped. Nothing happens, obviously. And they just like roll up the window and like, okay, well, um, we're going to go to our concert now. And I was like, wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I was just, like, broken. I was like, what the? Like, what? Oh, my God. I just felt, well, obviously, even then I felt immediately embarrassed. But, but you know, several times since then I felt like, oh, that was so embarrassing. So that was the catalyst. That was the turning point for me. Yeah. So that that's interesting. It was like, so you you were wholly convinced about what the conjecture that you were presenting to them. Mm-hmm. You're saying, look, hey, this is conditional. If all I'm saying is right, then mm-hmm. X, God will hold me up in the air, whatever. Mm-hmm. You were wholly convinced of what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Completely. I thought so that like when it didn't absolutely... happen, mm-hmm. it must have been like devastating to yep. you. Were you, what, what was it like? Were you sh- shocked? That, oh, yeah. I or, was like, or did you, was there a, s- a small party that, that knew it might not happen? Well, there was like the doubtful side, which is like your brain. Yeah. <laughs> You're working upon scientific principles, being like, eh, probably not a good idea. But uh, I was like, oh, that's the doubting side, right? I'm yeah. not going to listen to that. Um, 
So, yeah, I was shocked. I was like, I just felt completely broken. And to be, to be fair, and again, this is like a recurring theme, because this whole thing is stressing me out, because mm. I'm feeling like I'm not doing those things that I enjoy with the people I enjoy yeah. doing them with, uh, seeing my brother and family and all yeah. this, I'm not watching movies that are, um, that I want to watch. I'm, you know, listening to music that I want to yeah. listen to. It's all this other stuff. And, you know, the stress of this is fourth year now and I'm really trying to push myself to get good grades. Yeah. Um, and I only have a, a year left and not having family anywhere close by or there's all, all sorts of things building up and I'm not getting enough sleep because I yeah. felt like these guys are, um, Shoot, should we do the, uh, I'm just going to do this quick so that we have some video still going. All right. Okay. So, uh, hey Siri, set a timer for 29 minutes. Okay. Um, so all these things are building up. Yeah. And... You know, I'm feeling stressed out, so I'm not getting good sleep. I'm not eating well. Not only because I've given away all my money, pretty much. Yeah. I'm not buying good food, yeah. healthy food. Um, and so it just all comes to this head that becomes a turning point for me. Hmm. And, you know, I feel embarrassed. They're not feeling comfortable living with this guy who's just like office rocker, of yeah. course. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I ended up walking farther or riding my bike farther to class and I didn't make it all the way I just stopped at a bench and just like put my head in my hands I was like just completely wow. broken um, and the student life director comes out of her office she's yeah. going home for the day and she's the one who hired me to take this resident advisor job yeah. um, and uh, she's like well what's going on what's wrong mm. and I'm telling her the whole thing uh, well actually I'm wanting to tell her the whole thing, but I can't even get the words out. And so the other like assistant to the student life director, she comes out as well. And she's one who's also been through like the whole interview process and like was part of my hiring. And both of them together are supposed to be going home for the day, but instead they're they're talking with me, trying mm. to understand what's going on, what I feel, why am I not even able to speak? Mm. And uh, and and so we sat there. We ended up walking to the uh, well, the residence where the assistant lived. Okay. And so both of them were there trying to talk to me about what is it that's going on? Like, what's wrong? And I would imagine they probably had some complaints from the guys thinking, like, this guy's pretty like, uh, straight-laced, yeah. pretty pretty far with, um, you know, some of these beliefs that yeah. are now creeping into the dorm. Um, so sat there. For two hours, I maybe got like two half sentences out. I just, I had my head in my hands. I couldn't even talk. talk. And they were just asking questions. And I was kind of like, mm, like humming and hawing. And and <laughs> these last few days, I had maybe slept three, four hours Jeez. in total. Like amongst those all, yeah, amongst all those days, I hadn't eaten hardly anything because... So your brain's not even functioning. No, no. And I wasn't eating very well. I called it a fast because I was like, oh, well, I'll save money. It just turned into a fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just turned into a fast basically for, I think it was a day or maybe a day and a half. And 
uh, you know, leading up to this conversation with them. Um, but I had done these fasts pretty regularly where I would just go for 24 hours and not eat anything. And that gave me more time to read the Bible, to listen to sermons when I could have been eating. Yeah. And, uh, and then, of course, yeah, then it, and it worked with, uh, to save money, right? Um, so they're just trying to understand what's going on. So finally, at the end of the two hours, it's not really getting anywhere. They said, well, have you eaten anything? Yeah. I'm like, no. Well, how about you go eat? All right. So I went and ate. We were supposed to be having a, a dorm dinner with another dorm beside ours. And so I finally showed up and some of the guys are there and they're, the girls in that dorm were there too. Kind of like, hey, all right, you're here. <laughs> Gave me some lasagna. I ate lasagna and felt a lot better. And I actually slept that night. Yeah. And I really thought it over because I'm like, if I go any farther with this, this is pretty fringe. Like, this is pretty crazy. I don't like being like this mm. i don't like um feeling stressed all the time i don't like feeling anxious or or like there's just this much pressure on me um because it was it wasn't like there was anybody externally putting pressure on me other than maybe my family wanting us like wanting me to pursue the lord and and to uh you know build a relationship with him and i felt like this is what that was yeah um but a lot of it was self-inflicted yeah. um, anxiety and just stupid, uh, stupid decisions and choices that I was making. Yeah. Um, and then that's like cyclical. You feel guilty if you don't hold, if you don't, um, you know, do all the things that are going to make you a better Christian. And um, anyways, so I had the lasagna. I went and slept that night. And I just thought it over and I thought, well, this is, this is really dumb. Like, I just don't like this. I'm just going to have to make an executive decision and be like, something has to change. Regardless of how I feel, I'm going to sort of get my head out of my own head okay. and, and think about this issue with the storm from their perspective mm. and just say, you know what? I'm sorry, guys. I went the next day and just apologized to each of them and just said, like, I'm really... Or maybe it was that night. It might have been that night after I had my nap and my lasagna. I can't remember. It was very, it was very soon. It was. I went to each guy and I just apologized for for being so heavy-handed because sometimes I would even go into their room and like unplug their speakers if they were listening to like non-Christian music. Okay. Yeah. It was. It was bad. It was bad. But I felt like I was doing the right yeah. thing. I felt like oh, I, I'm being zealous. Right. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. So. You're being like, a good. Christian. Yeah, I was being like a good, sincere Christian. So yeah. how could I possibly be wrong? Um, how could this be a bad thing? And so I just apologized to each of them. And I said, like, I'm really sorry. I overstepped my role as an RA. And I felt I felt like if they want to leave, that's totally understandable. Because mm. a few of the guys were saying, well, we want to move to another dorm. They ended up not moving. Um, or at least they, they stayed until halfway through the year, which is when they had planned to move with these friends anyways off campus because they had some other plans with with their band and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But they, they from from wanting to move out immediately to staying halfway through the year was a huge change and and being able to actually talk with them about other things than you know the Bible was was it was just a massive shift in in the atmosphere in the dorm, just like the tension and, yeah. and it just disappeared. Whereas before things were pretty tense and, and they just knew how I was about some of these things. And, and that made a lot of, uh, 
a lot of tension, a lot of anxiety in the dorm. Yeah. So just dissipated almost immediately after I you went after you went and apologized. Yeah, apologized and said like that's, yeah. That's crazy though. The fact yeah. that you know the <clears throat> I guess the day um, that you said that you were gonna jump and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. So you go through. You can't talk. You go home, eat lasagna, sleep, and then the fact that you went and thought, okay, you know, maybe this is going too far, and maybe I should apologize to these guys and put the, put yourself in their shoes. And the fact that you would do that, yeah, you know, so 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 like so in one sense, so drastically, so mm-hmm. soon, mm-hmm. and that you would apologize. I mean, that's that must have been tough, though, right? Yeah. You're just like, okay, you know, I don't know how long, like half a semester or maybe a full semester that. You've been telling these guys whatever, and then you, all of a sudden, in like a day, you're like, guys, (laughs) I'm sorry, they must have been like... Well, it was actually just the first two weeks that led up to that moment, and first week was orientation week, lots of fun, we played games and all that with other dorms, and and that was fine, but then it sort of sunk into the routine, and that's when I felt like, oh, this is where the rules need to be set, And, and I was also, you know, asked very late in the summer to do this job as a resident advisor, they needed someone quick, and they didn't have an... uh another one uh to lead the dorm with me mm. which is the norm they would always have oh, two but they yeah. just need someone quick and and the uh i had worked as the international student um acculturation uh a person um, that helps international yeah students. acculturate yeah. because i'd had that experience overseas yeah. so i had worked with this lady before who who then later knew that i was uh you know someone she could ask to, to be a resident advisor but it was very late, and, and I didn't go through the entire same interview process as the other people would have, and I didn't have someone with me. Um, so there's just a whole lot of like unfortunate uh, circumstances that mm-hmm. added up to this not going as well as it could. Yeah, to say it lightly, but um, yeah. So that just really um, that really changed things for me. Not immediately; it just got me pointed in a different direction. Okay. And I think the reason I could apologize so quickly to them is because um, it was it was a way out for me. I felt like it was the only way out because okay. any farther down this other path, and who knows what could have happened. Yeah. Like, I get kicked out, these guys leave. Like, that's just horrible. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So I thought, well, finally, this just seems like the good thing to do. Um, yeah, so uh, then I was still having these these big questions that were unanswered. So if this word of faith, you know, health and wealth thing isn't the answer, then what is? And if I am feeling this burdened by the, you know, the, the constant self-regulation with this whole word of faith movement and proclaiming things that you yeah. want and speaking against demons and, and all those crazy ideas... Um, uh, if that's not the way, then then what is? And mm-hmm. you know, why are we here? You know, what's the point of life? Who is God? Big questions. What, yeah, 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 yeah. Big questions. And it's like, who is God? What's He like? Is there a is God? There God. Yeah, and and uh, that's when I kind of got into Joseph Prince. He was all about grace okay. and saying it's not about. So the you were still you in do. the like the prosperity gospel umbrella, mm-hmm. even when yeah. you. Yeah, because okay. it, it was a very gradual. Yeah, it really was like a little turn in this direction, okay. but not like 180 degrees and then hop all the way out of yeah. these beliefs. It was just, I'm going on a sort of different trajectory now. Yeah. So started listening to Joseph Prince and, and that sort of relieved me of the 
of this constant tension to perform okay. all the time and perform these these devotional times yeah. and praying all the time. So this yeah, this idea of performing did it come from the guys that you were listening to, like Kenneth Copeland and these guys, or was it something that you grew up thinking? Or is mm-hmm. it more so because of your personality as someone who always strives to do the best that you mm-hmm. kind of put yourself in that position? It wasn't like, you know, set, let's hypothetically, let's just say, it wasn't like your mom saying, hey, Jordan, if you're a Christian, you got to do X, Y, Z all the time to be the best. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, my parents always taught us that, you know, God loved us. And that was, that was the main thing that they taught. Um, as far as, like, some of the big questions, I do remember that being quite a big uh, burden on my mind even when I was younger so yeah. big questions would be like well what happens when we die yeah. um, hell what's hell like yeah. who goes there and why uh, what's heaven like because maybe I don't want to like stand around for 24 hours a day for 10,000 years swaying back and forth and singing like <laughs> that, I don't know if that's really a reward yeah. um, all these big questions that they weren't really able to answer but of course who who can I think like who who can actually say this is what the afterlife's like? Yeah. Um, at least that's where what I'm thinking now. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but when I was a kid, that was the main thing on my mind. Did I commit something, some sin today that's going to keep me from heaven? Oh, you know? So I was constantly okay. in my in my mind thinking. So this is like started pretty young. This sense pretty of like, young. Okay. Yeah, like as 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 I would say, whenever I learned about heaven and hell and not wanting to commit like the unforgivable sin or, mm. or doing something mm. that would make God angry at you because I mean you, you have to go to hell um, that was with me from when I was quite young yeah and uh, and so especially when I got into like my uh, teen years I would often think back over my day at night and just be like oh I had I had a certain prayer how did it go it was like God um, Please forgive me of everything I've done wrong since the last time I talked to you. Amen. <laughs> that was like my daily thing because I was like, "Oh, what if I sin after I prayed that and I didn't? I didn't ask for forgiveness yeah. and then I died." Or like if you forgot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I thought, well, I, I don't want to have like some sin that God's kind of like, hmm, did he? Uh, he? He didn't. He didn't ask for forgiveness yeah. for that. You know, he's he's uh, he's out. He's out, out, yeah. not entering heaven. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, bud. God, yeah. So, um, so you 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 progress away. You like slightly turn. You start listening to like Joseph Prince okay? mm-hmm. talking about what? Well, talking about grace and how it's not about anything you have to do to earn okay. God's favor. Um, it's it's already been done. You just need to understand that it's been done, and that's like the easiest thing in the world. Is yeah. you just like understand that it's done. Okay. So to me, that was a lot easier. Okay. Um, and I, uh, yeah, so this was going into my fifth year now. So I was actually going out in, well, I was starting sort of the big part of my education degree. Yeah. Um, and so. Your teaching. My like teaching degree. Yeah. So I'm, and that was the other pressure on me mm-hmm. thinking, okay, this is not like a healthy way that I'm living right now. I need to sort of understand some of these things and get some of this on track. Mm-hmm. So. So, uh, yeah, Joseph Prince was one, but then, um, it, it kept going farther in the other direction. So it was the whole grace thing, but then it became the whole, uh, Pentecostal, yeah, I guess like it's charismatic. Pentecostal, charismatic, 
And it's like the... another vein of charismatic, though. What, it's not. Like, what, what, what was what was it? So was it, it was it was like it was very experiential. Okay. It became very experiential, prophetic. Oh. Okay. Yeah, prophetic uh, miracles, wanting to see miracles, yeah. and speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues, seeing visions. Yeah, seeing visions, okay. um, having supernatural experiences, yeah. and so then some people I got listening to then were like Bill Johnson from Bethel Church, from Bethel, from Bethel. Yeah, oh, yeah, and watching their worship. Oh, you know, listening to their music oh, my and all goodness. that. I mean, I you know, yeah, yeah. It's it's been a crazy ride. So then, okay, so you you. You go from uh, from Joseph Prince to these charismatic. They're they're not so much um, prosperity gospels mm-hmm. like Bill Johnson's. Mm-hmm. It's more so like you know God will heal you now. Mm-hmm. You you pray for this right now and God will heal you. I mean, I think it was just like a few days ago that I was watching, not watching. I was reading an article mm-hmm. about Bill Johnson mm-hmm. and how. Um, in his service, a bunch of people were being healed, and he was talking about what is that? Lyme disease. That's what it was. Mm. He was talking. He, he wrote. So someone, I prayed for someone, and I made I made this prophetic prayer, and 15 minutes later, someone tells me that their Lyme disease is healed. Oh, and wow. They're giving a uh, they're giving a testimony of this Lyme disease healing by Bill Johnson. Yeah. And then someone else get he gets healed from the testimony, and I'm thinking. That is just absolutely, yeah. I mean, ridiculous to yeah. me, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, it'd be cool if it worked, but no. It'd be cool but, if, but science. It'd be cool if, uh, if you had like a chopped off leg and then your leg grew, and then like, yeah, I guess it works. Bill Johnson's prayers work. Hmm. Never happens. Yeah, well, that was some of the stuff I got into. Um, I think uh, there's something I saw on YouTube. It's probably still up there somewhere. You know those videos about people's legs growing back? Oh, their one oh, leg is shorter oh, than the yeah, other. And, yes. You know. Classic. And he pulls on the shoe and it, oh, it grew an inch. Classic. <laughs> so you, you were into this. Well, again, I'm thinking if I'm earnestly seeking for this, then yeah. these people are earnestly uh, seeking as well. And okay. so these things on YouTube can be trusted. Okay. Because they say that they love God and that they uh, you know that they believe the Bible and so yeah <laughs> it's incredibly naive but I I just did not have any other experience besides the church life to to get perspective from right. you know to was, were, were there people in your life that were challenging you yeah well my mom I think was worried and um she was thinking like, oh, you're maybe going a little too far with this. Yeah, but like, yeah. I mean, what, what about with the prosperity? I mean, when you were into deep into prosperity as well. Oh, um, well, even with the prosperity thing, yeah, like they yeah. weren't really, like even from the point where my mom gave me that book, yeah. she had asked me to question it, but to yeah. read it because it's good to like temper your ideas with other yeah. opposing ideas. So I guess. She, she wasn't opposed. So your mom was actually quite good about it. She was like, hey, test this out. Test yeah. Out. She but then like, as I like because all the way through I we did our Skype calls yeah. and I, I've I still think I'm close with my parents. Um you know, I was telling them what was happening in my life and you know, I'm I'm things journey this journey I was on and yeah. things that I was seeing and, and ideas I was hearing. And she was kind of saying, Oh, that sounds a little bit radical to me. Like I don't yeah. know, you should probably back up on that. Um you know, but uh 
Yeah, and I was just thinking, no, this is my, this is like, this is how you do it better, hmm. right? And um, that was my thought process. And um, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Okay, so let's see if we can get, do you have any questions about that? Well, yeah, because I, yeah. I want to know, you get into this, your mom, your mom is challenging you, right? When you're in your prosperity days and then your mom's challenging you when you're going to the, uh, towards Joseph Prince and then towards like the um, faith healers. Mm-hmm. So then what happens is, are you being, are you, I do, were you really considering your mom's criticism or whoever else was challenging you at that point? Mm. Is that why you're like, okay, maybe these guys are something's wrong here and then you kind of move away again? Like yeah. what happened? Well, I, I honestly think I just, I think I just thought of my family members as being doubters and not being like as earnest as me. Really? Yeah. Like I, it's crazy. So I just thought, thought that, that they were family. doubters. Yeah. Like I, 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 that, I guess I just thought that they weren't taking it as seriously as me. And You're talking, you mean like seriously, you were talking about like Christianity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And not, not really getting down to like the real Christianity. Okay. You know, the real experiential relationship with God. Okay. And that was just my view. And, uh, it's embarrassing, you know, it's embarrassing to, to think back on. But, uh, yeah, but that's just how it went. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, of course, I started to realize this is crazy. Like, something has to be done about this. This yeah. is not healthy. But, like, how, how did you get to that point? Well, okay, so there was the pendulum swing. So there was the fundamental law sort of, okay. like, taking everything literally. And, and then it swung into uh, Joseph Prince was the turning point there, too. And getting into the mystical side of Christianity. That's what it was called. It was like the very experiential... Like um, people like so falling, like, being slain by yes, the spirit. Yes, very, okay. very weird stuff. So like Heidi, I think Heidi Baker is the name of the one. Okay. She's a missionary from like, I don't know, Mozambique or something. Okay. She lived there for a long time. She's and, still alive? Yeah. Okay. She's, uh, I don't know, maybe 60-ish. Okay. There was her, there was... Uh, John, Crowder. John Crowder. There was, oh, who were some of these other guys? Jonathan, um, somebody who's a musician, and Brandon Barthrop, which is actually there's a Vice documentary done on him and and John Crowder. Okay. Talking about getting drunk on God, and like toking the ghost, just crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff. Like I can't even believe that I that I was in it. At so the were time. you how how convinced were you of? Did you have visions or did you speak in uh, tongues or did you yeah did you get slain by the spirit did you you know like being slain by the spirit for anyone who doesn't understand is yeah someone puts a hand like a preacher puts their hand on your forehead and says some sort of prayer and then whack your feet just get swept under you yeah you just like collapse yeah you get a concussion probably you know no one catches you Yeah, yeah, no, I, I did all that stuff. Okay. Oh, yeah. So you like, were in it. In it, in okay. it. Like, I was the one bringing other people into it okay. as well. And, uh, you know, going to these worship nights on 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 weekdays mm. where I'd go until midnight, you know. It what? would be like after school to midnight, you know. I would bike down the mountain there, Hamilton Escarpment, go down through these city streets at night. Yeah. And... uh just bomb it down there. Like, it's kind of dumb. Like, no, just crap. Like, people, secondhand bike, no helmet, 
lights maybe not even on, kind of a squeaky wheel, whatever. But I'm thinking, oh, God's got me protected. But it's just, it was all encompassing this idea that... Again, like it was an all-encompassing thing. Yeah, yeah okay. everything had to do with God. Everything had to do with um, Or at least what Bible. you thought was... Being... What I thought was God, yeah. 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 So, so, okay, so you're into this. You move towards the more mystical side. Mm-hmm. And now, what? You're, you're in there for a while until you realize, actually... Maybe this is not the right thing. So you move. Like, what? What? Ha- what's the progress? Um, and what's the timeline? Because at this point, are you still in school? Yep, still in school. Still in school. So this was, Your this was four. Well, yeah, it was. It was between you know fourth and fifth year. I was going to these things, these okay. Bible studies or worship nights or whatever, and they were just going for hours. And it was very, it was very much about feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit. That was the very like the main point they were trying to make, it was all about feeling God's presence. Okay. That was the main goal. And I have to admit, I would say that there was definitely that feeling there of like either euphoria or mm-hmm. a sense of contentment. There really was. And part of it could be that I in was... In the service or while you were in this movement? In the, in the movement, in the services, okay. these especially these worship nights. Um, part of that could be, you know, I come from the this whole week of of really trying hard to do well in school, yeah. spending so much time not only on homework and, yeah. and prep, but also devotions and all these extra sermons I have to listen to and all that. To to literally coming into this church, this old church that these few you know young adults had rented out, yeah. and just like laying on the floor, like <laughs> laying face down. Yeah. And that felt really, really relaxing to me. Wait, wait, wait. Laying face down? On the floor. Like, they had all the chairs to the sides. You just come in, you, like, lay face down, and you just, like, bask. Or you, like, kneel. Okay. Yeah. And what's happening? It's like they're praying. Everyone's singing. Singing, but people are, like, walking around. No one's paying attention to anyone else. Um Unless, like, you're that Christian who's not married yet. And so you're, like, (laughs) scoping out the cuties. Um, Hmm. Yeah, but it was a very, very laid-back atmosphere. I didn't know any of these people. Okay. I just came in because maybe I knew the the one guy who invited me. Okay. And uh, you walk in for the first time, and you're just laying on the floor, and like I was sick. Sorry, I was singing and speaking in tongues. Meditation. Yeah, it is. It's very much like meditation. Yeah, yeah. It's you're just relieving all your tensions, all your anxieties, and and either through singing or through speaking in tongues which is basically just gibberish but it feels good (laughs) you know um and uh so there definitely was that experiential side of it that was i don't know if it's psychosomatic or it is definitely psychological on one level like a positive psychological it's a very positive feeling okay and it felt euphoric it felt relieving and relaxing and I still think back, you know, like, you know what, I do I do miss that side of it um, now that I'm out of Christianity, and I'll get more into that later. But there's certain things that I really do miss that I thought, like, yeah, you know, that was cool. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, so we just lay, we'd just be there for hours and hours, and, and a lot of the music was very improv, so they were just there with jamming with their guitars or whatever and mm-hmm. singing. And, and there was also a neat sense of, like, people playing off of each other as either musicians or as like they felt like they had to say something with somebody that was like a nice thing to say but it also played off of some of the delusions of grandeur like they would walk over oh god has a word for you yeah it's classic 
Classic. Yeah. Classic. He says, you're going to marry me. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, know, shoot. I, had, I had a friend that um, mm. a woman, uh, a girl in his class, uh-huh. it was his first year, and a woman came up to him and said, hey, um, God told me that I was to marry you. And he's mm-hmm. like, what? No way. And he's like, he stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> he stopped talking. He's like, nope, I'm gone. Then talk to her again. But you know, it's, people have these, I would say it's closer to like just some sort of like subconscious self. To, like it's some, something in them telling them these things mm-hmm. where they'll be like, oh yeah, God said it to me. Yeah. You know, and it gives it that oomph. Like, oh, it's like, well, you're important. You're somebody. Yeah, like you're God spoke to me yeah. about this situation. And so he came, you know, he told me, I'm the vessel through which God is talking. I'm coming mm-hmm. over to you and saying, hey, Jordan, yeah. a word for you. I have a vision. And then just like, go on. Well, it's very, it, it, it plays into like some primal desires of yeah. significance of, you know, importance or having some sort of weight or power in the world. Yeah. And, uh, it it's absolutely understandable i think why some people would fall into this stuff also with what it promises for yeah. you know um for everybody and it's it's absolutely understandable if you get past the crazy the crazy side of it mm-hmm. which i'm sure that if people didn't spend their whole life in the church they would automatically look at this and be like oh that's crazy this is nuts. Like, that's not normal that's yeah. and most churches normal. aren't like this though yeah you know most this is like the prosperity gospel, in one sense, it's it's fringe within Christianity, but unfortunately, that's like the Christianity that a lot of non-Western, um, the popular form of Christianity that's mm-hmm. uh, outside of uh, like uh, North America, mm-hmm. you know. It's, but like it, within Christianity itself, it's like, well, what are these weird people doing? Like this is just mm-hmm. wrong, or like this is heretical. And so yeah. the same thing with, uh, oops, same thing with. Um, with the mystical experience, mm-hmm. the same thing. They're like, ah, no, this is not what it's like. Some of you guys are delusional, definitely delusional, thinking, mm-hmm. you know, I'm speaking in tongues, but you're just laughing. Yeah, you're like I'm being <laughs> slain, and then you're just like slithering on the floor. Mm-hmm. It's like such weird thing. It's it's crazy. Yeah. No, I think back at at those years. This was what 2012. This is many years ago now. But I just think back and it feels like a completely different person. And uh, I'm just going to change this. <laughs> and. Huh. Oh, man. <laughs> Jordan likes this video. Yeah, I like the video. You were saying, and yeah, I, I just look back at this time and I'm like, that was a completely different person. Yeah. And so since then, I've been trying to understand, okay, why did I, why did I believe what I believe? And I feel like if I'm going to stop this whole pendulum swing back mm. and forth mm. throughout my whole life, I need to just take the time to, to take every brick off of my foundation of beliefs yeah. and be like, you know, treat it as a belief. So here's okay. this brick. If I'm going to put it back on the foundation, um, I need sturdy. to understand why. Sorry? I was going to say, it has to be sturdy. Yeah, it has to be. Well, that was the other question too. Once I sort of like dismantled all these beliefs I used to have, I'm looking at this foundation saying like, is this is this sturdy? Is this 
Is this a true? good foundation? Is it like is it does it take into account everything that needs to be built upon it? Yeah. Or is it are there massive parts missing? Mm-hmm. And if there are, like I want to know that now because yeah. I would hate to have to do this deconstruction again. Yeah. So I I kind of took off every brick or every belief and if I was going to put it back on I had to tell myself that mm. I understood why it was there. I'm not just going to take it for granted. I, I, I need to know that it's a good belief to have, it's a good value to have. And, yeah. and if I put it back, then then I know why it's there. And, and I don't have any of these like assumptions. Now, I realize obviously everyone everyone is going to have some assumptions and, and, uh, and bias, and it's just to our benefit that we, that we recognize that. But it definitely helped me to question everything. Yeah. Like, is the Bible even true? Yeah. That was my big question. Yeah. But how did you get to this point, though? Okay, so, well, how, like... Like, you're in this mystical phase. Yeah, and yeah. how did you get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm going to take off, I'm going to try and restart everything from ground zero. Mm. How, did you, how did you get to that point? What happened? Uh, well, it was... Okay, so, yeah, so pendulum swing. All right, so it's going back towards the mystics, the whole, like, like I went to these certain meetings where, I don't know how, but... Well, actually, I probably do know how you get some craft glitter from Michael's and you get this really fine gold dust and you put it on your hands and boom, you had a miracle happen, right? This is something you saw happen at Bethel Church, so they must know what's going on okay. with, the, with the Holy Spirit. So, for example, they had some some videos during their worship services where this gold glitter appeared from God's Spirit. What? Yeah. <laughs> and it fell down on the people and everyone's like, wow, this is amazing. Gold glitter. Gold glitter. And he said, this is evidence of God working. Bro. And so then I went to a meeting where that happened to the lady beside me. What? Yeah. So like what? Gold? So she just just like, hey, she leaned over and said, hey, look at my hands. As we were like worshiping. Look at my hands. I'm like, oh my God, I've seen that happen before. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that's incredible. Um, Yeah. And I just. uh, This was a Bethel thing. This was a Bethel thing. Yeah. And then the, the, the other thing they had, they said they had happen was, oh, they had like diamonds. And like diamonds yeah gems like Ooh. appear yeah just appear out of nowhere <laughs> just appear and just appear on the floor and be like wow if you found a diamond like you were something man we should all go to bethel to be rich no i know and then uh and then i had some friends there at, at redeemer that were also like these were the people that were inviting me out to yeah. some of these worship nights and whatnot and they were also very much in this experiential vein and yeah. uh they had some friends come up from la who were like yeah. I don't even know how to describe them, like shamans or like just like spiritual mystics themselves. And they had their own little like live stream that they would talk to people okay. and, and have their like healing services. They would travel around the world. And anyways, so, so they, so they came to their house and these were really good friends of my friends. So I thought, yeah. Oh, they're, they're, they're fine people, whatever. We had some fun. I did actually go out and did, did karaoke in a bar with them, which is also another turning point for them. My, my friend offered me a beer, and I had a beer, which was, like, not okay to to the me of a year ago, okay. you know, of a year before that time. Because you didn't and drink before. I didn't drink. No, I didn't okay. drink. I mean, I did drink in Honduras. Sorry, Mom. I mean, <laughs> I was a teen, but okay. Uh, but, uh, but, I mean, like, you weren't allowed to, So when you were in Honduras, you weren't allowed to drink, but then when yeah. it's... In you, when you were into your like um, the prosperity phase, you didn't drink. No, consciously didn't. Because it was like because alcohol was a spirit. Alcohol because it's called because they're spirits. Cause spirits. Yeah, they're no. spirits. Yeah, and, they're, no. and any what was the Bible verse? It was like oh, any spirit that's not from 
God yeah. can't be trusted or something like okay. that. So if you put that in your body, you're basically putting a demon in your body. <laughs> it was just so I mean, crazy. I don't need to laugh at it, you know. Oh no, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely crazy. So um, you you go to the bar with these shaman. I mean, you know, these guys who are yeah. like spiritual mystics slash friends of mm-hmm. yours or friends of friends of yours, mm-hmm. and you have a beer. And you're like, well, okay. Yeah, at the karaoke bar. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, I'm I'm not gonna go too crazy because yeah, I'm still mm-hmm. Christian. Yeah. So when I go up to do karaoke, I'm going to sing Amazing Grace <laughs> in a bar in the middle of Hamilton, which is like Steel Town. Oh, did you do that? That's painful. Yeah, that, that's, that's a painful Did memory. you do that? Amazing Grace. <laughs> I just went to town. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh, and also I was in some like worship teams at the time. I was yeah. singing. And so I like. That's that, I mean, mean, you know, there's something to, to to be said. I think that's that's very courageous that you oh like go like up and do it, foolhardy. Yeah, but still, <laughs> I mean, amazing grace in karaoke. Yeah, in a bar, people are just turning around at the bar like, what the, what is this guy on? <laughs> you know, um, but I guess I felt like, oh, this is me like stepping out into like okay. evangelism, yeah. and that was another thing that I got into around that time as well. It's like evangelism. sharing God's love. Which is like okay, that's a, that's that's well, good. Like that's fine. Like, like giving food, giving food, giving like I would go down every week and give hot chocolate and granola yeah. bars to like homeless people yeah. or like talk with them or pray with them or or whatever, give them hugs, you know. And yeah, I mean, I look there's back on that and say, well, there's worse things you could have been doing. But well, that's I mean, most people don't do that anyways. Do yeah, they? there were a so. lot of people actually who who prayed and it it was basically a textbook definition of like a salvation or like a like a conversion or whatever okay. many many people like that um or you just prayed with them and and because i sounded earnest and friendly they were like oh it was a blessing to them <sighs> or even just to have someone to talk to was a good thing so, so you just go up to these home, yeah like and they knew people. that they knew that this group of students e- either if it was me with some friends or me by myself venturing off that we would come every week to the similar spot. And yeah. so they would start meeting us there. Um, and we'd give them hot chocolate and. Oh, so they started meeting you there. Okay. Yeah. Like they knew, oh, Thursday, I think it was Thursdays. They would, they would be in this area. So they would invite their friends yeah. out and whatnot. Uh, yeah. So, and that was fun. And I met with other people who were doing the same thing, who were similar minded. And, and, uh, um, so there's a side of that. It's like, okay, yeah, there's worse things you could be doing as uh, a team. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, so the, these shaman people, like, I don't even know what the word is for them. Just like spiritual mystics? Spiritual mystics, yeah, okay. whatever. They weren't uh, pastors. They were, they were they? like traveling pastors maybe, okay. but like not of any like... Not a, they didn't have a congregation. No, okay. no, no. Um, they're very like new agey kind of people. Okay. And so then they came to Canada and that's when we did, you know, we hung out for a few days there and they would pray with us and do these little worship sep- sessions in the house of my, my friend. Yeah. So they would find these diamonds on the ground too and, and be like, Oh, look at this gem I just found, you know, just whip it out of my pocket. Oh, really? no, I found it on the ground. Really? <laughs> yeah. So and no I'm one like, thought wow. at that point to be like, Hey, let's go to the jewel- jewelers and see if this is real. No. Okay. Well, I mean, I was just like, oh, no, that's real. Like, that, okay. if I had yeah. any doubts about it being real, that was from the devil. Okay. So okay. I, I just, I guess what I want to em- emphasize is that you, like, it's just a very, very 
persuasive idea to have that, um, you know, I don't even know what, like, that the Bible is true. But this is not like, this is not just like. It's it's obviously not just like a literal reading of the Bible. It is very much beyond that. But it started with like a literal interpretation Mm -hmm. and. and, uh, Like they took. Or they took certain translations of the Bible and said, well, this. um, They emphasized it. Yeah. Overemphasized it. Yeah. Yeah. Or used like the Greek version and then like went with some possible ver- translations of certain words from okay. Greek. Okay. But it's like they're not experts. I'm not an expert. Yeah. So it's like then it becomes kind of at your liberty. You can just change some meanings here and there. Or, or maybe that's what God told you. Right. Yeah. God told you personally that it means a certain thing. Right. But it becomes a very persuasive belief that makes you like believe things that you just a normal person with any bit of rationality wouldn't believe yeah um at least not without some evidence right. or was it, would it be the case that most people would believe it like human like human beings are more prone to these things especially like if you put some something as big as you know as um as huge nonsense as like god is you know, working through us in these like very experiential ways so you have this like i mean as a human being you know it, you live, you live, I guess, mm-hmm. your whole life is, you know, you see things, you touch things, you smell things, mm-hmm. you know. So then when you enter a room, you, know, you see these guys, you, see, you can smell sweat, you know, mm-hmm. you see these people on the ground, they're doing all sorts of things, they're praying, I mean, speaking tongues and, I don't know, being slain. And mm-hmm. so you have this whole experience, and then you feel, in one sense, you can, sub, you know, feel the atmosphere, like the chemistry, the, the pheromones that are going. So mm-hmm. maybe it is that, maybe it's not that you are... It's not that you want using your rationale. It's more so that there's a whole like biological side of being, you know, brainwashed. Mm-hmm. We enter mm-hmm. like I can. I'm just trying to imagine because I have had a very like, I mean, you know, I, I had my days when I was uh, in the Word of Faith, mm-hmm. where this guy prayed over me and all my friends had you know been slain by the Spirit and yeah. pop, 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 yeah, they yeah. fell. This is in our friend's house. Yeah. And it's my turn, and he's like, he puts his hand on me, and he's like, saying whatever he's saying, and I'm like, nothing's happening to me. Maybe God's not blessing me or something. He keeps pressing my head. Yeah. And so I'm not going. <laughs> yeah. But all my friends have gone, so I was like, huh. so you push, and I fell. Yeah. Like, I made myself fall. Yeah. Oh, they'll push, right? Like, yeah, oh, they'll push. Oh, they do Because it's almost an insult to their connection with the Holy yeah, Spirit if you don't, if you fall. don't fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. So I yeah. fall. And I'm there, and I like looking back. I'm just like, what a complete idiot. Yeah. And I'm there, and I was like, okay, how long do I? How long am I supposed to get slain by this man? Just like peek over. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, you know, maybe like a minute. I'm lying there, and I was like, ah, yeah. I roll over. And, and then, then this is on a Saturday night, and on the on the Monday morning, a friend of mine that was slain, he was the doubter. He's like, guys, I don't think it happened. And we're like, that is no, from the yeah, devil. Yeah. You know. So oh. I like. So. It, it was very like at that point. There's a lot of social pressure that's put on you. I'm sure that's yeah. Well, and you want it to be true. Wouldn't yeah. it be great if if like if euphoria was that that close at any moment, you know? And all your all your wishes are going to come true mm-hmm. just because you say that they are going to come true. Yeah. Like that's hugely enticing. Um, unfortunately, like you need evidence yeah right and there needs to be a good reason for why that would be yeah. true 
which is why I, I just have never been able to put that brick back on because yeah. I'm like... So well, you, this happens. You kind of start doubting after mm-hmm. you drink your beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, not doubting. Just being like, okay, this is a new path now. that okay. And I started watching movies again. You started watching movies again. Okay. I played video games again. I At that time, I found out what Minecraft was. I played like, <laughs> your 12 whole life hours straight. Yeah, yeah. When I was, <laughs> no social life. Oh, yeah, it was... Yeah, I played for like 12 hours straight. I was like, yo. Really? Minecraft, yo. <laughs> it's been out for years. And I'm like, what? Uh, like, let me catch up on all my... Yeah, I had to catch up. I, I really felt like that. I felt like there was all these movies I had to watch. I felt like all this music that I was missing out on. And uh, I started listening to all these bands that I really liked as a kid that I just missed out on. And okay. even bands like Owl City, Owl City or okay. like Anne Berlin that were like... Both of those are like kind of Christian-y bands. Um, or um, like Switchfoot or, or whatever. I didn't like them as much as Mormon Brother, but but it's just all these bands that I used to love, yeah. you know. And I, I wasn't like certainly as a teenager, I wasn't like a very holy or like um, I wasn't uh, like I didn't have all these restrictions put on myself like I did as a young adult. Okay. Um, I played tons of video games, watched all kinds of movies, but of course PG movies. I was still yeah, in my yeah. parents' home, and they were quite protective. Um, but, you know, I, I certainly wasn't this like holy guy, like living the ascetic lifestyle, (laughs) you know? Uh, but then I, then I went back and I felt like I had all these, all these great movies, these works of art to catch up on and, and culture to understand that I had totally become out of touch with. Yeah. And, uh, there was just huge enjoyment there. Hmm. Um, um, just discovering the, the joy and the beauty of of film and yeah. photography and yeah watching and good film you watching good say, film you yeah. know yes yeah. not all christian most christian movies are not that no they're not great. no they're just they're they're unoriginal i think in general they're unoriginal they're bland they're trying to follow a certain cliche formula. very cliche yeah try, they're trying to be a christian movie yeah. they're not trying to be groundbreaking they're just trying to relay the same message that every other christian movies relayed except right. in a new way or or uh, and and it, it almost seems like Christian movies are are like oh wow when you, you you watch this movie oh wow that wasn't that bad <laughs> that was like the best thing you could say about it like you know what that actually wasn't that bad yeah um, but you can never be like wow that was original ground breaking like they really pushed the, the limits cinematography like, was no fantastic. yeah never you never like I, yeah um, if it was emotional or moving it's because of all the reasons that you know. A Christian might find something emotional or moving. It's it's um, you know it, it really felt like oh God is speaking to me through that right. movie or right. it tugged on my heartstrings or something. Um, so um, yeah. Um, so you go through this. You start slowly going. Okay, maybe you know I'm not so much into this. Start watching movies, playing games, and that's mm-hmm. when you start actually, I guess, dismantling your. Mm-hmm. Your um, foundational beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you te- you start teaching at this point. No. Uh, well, I did have some practicum placements, so six weeks at one school and another school, and and again, I felt like I needed to have myself sorted out before I started teaching, and okay. so I was earnestly trying to seek that out on my own. Yeah. And of course, I didn't want any of these personal beliefs or struggles to get into the classroom, so I just treated it seriously and professionally, like another job, yeah. and. Uh, didn't talk about any of my personal beliefs to the kids or anything like that. And, and from from their perspective, I was just another teacher, and 
I actually had some really good placements and got along really well with uh, the classes I was in. And, and just that, for me, served as confirmation that I was on the right path, at yeah. least something that I enjoyed doing and I felt like I had the skill set for. But, you know, you go home and then you have these questions and, uh, like, yeah, it was, it was just sort of a constant thing. I was always, so what always were you questioning? questioning, well, is the Bible even true? Yeah. Like, that was my big one. Okay. And, um, true in what sense? Is it historically accurate? Is it scientifically okay. accurate? Yeah. Is it true in every way that I thought it to be true? Mostly relating to the nature of God. So what is okay. God actually like? Okay. What is God actually like in the Bible? In real life, in reality. Okay, in real like, life. is okay. if there is a God, yeah. and at this point I hadn't even questioned the existence of God. Yeah. I just said, I question his nature. It seemed yeah. to have changed so much from being this like angry, vengeful God based on the Old Testament and what I had read. And from the whole law side of things yeah. to being like a very loving, experiential, fatherly, yeah. uh, like... Winnie the Pooh kind of God or something, I don't know, throughout that whole mystic grace uh, swing of the pendulum, right? Um, to, to, to just not really being sure about what okay. God, being, being like maybe so like more mysterious, yeah. mystical, and, and uh, that, was, that was the time in that last year of university where I was getting into those real fringe guys like John Crowder and, and Brandon Barthrop and uh, these like toking the ghost, like I said, yeah, like yeah. believing that like the Holy Spirit was something that you could like smoke, smoke, like absolutely <laughs> crazy, oh just goodness. absolutely crazy. And, uh, you know, you could get drunk on God's spirit. Yes. And so I went to these meetings. And this is, they legitimately think they're getting drunk, right? Yeah. On the like, spirit. On, sorry, on yeah, the Yeah, like the spirit. new wine. The new wine of the, of the And this comes from like a passage in the Bible. Yeah. Where it says, do not be drunk on, or do, I forget what it is. Do not be drunk on wine, but be drunk on the Holy Spirit or something, something like, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of verses that they just loved. And they would just repeat those verses and Until, so you get into a room where it's not so much people just like laying on the ground and like next level. quietly oh it was next level it was just like chaos it was like what? absolute chaos you walk into a room and there's just people like flailing jumping around yelling blah, 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 like like laying on the ground laughing their head off like like you just walk into a loony bin like it's it's literally a loony bin and yet these are like I mean, I... They would did, say they're Christian, right? These people? They would say they're Christian, yeah, but not, like, religious. They're, like, very, like, relational. Yeah, classic. Yeah. yeah. Classic, new age Christian. Very experiential, and they're they're just... It was... It almost... It almost became sexual. <laughs> you know... That, okay. But between, like, the people and God, not people yeah. and each other. Okay, this is the crazy... <laughs> I... You know... Okay, so... A friend of mine, mm-hmm. you know the um, there's a church called the uh, Toronto Airport Church. Yeah, and they're like yeah. next level eight. Yeah, that's where Heidi Baker would go and speak. Oh, and, yeah, this is yeah, next level like next level. So he goes because he wants to see what the church is like. Yeah, he goes with a friend of his, and it's him and her, and I think it's actually him, her, and like someone else. So uh-huh. they go to the Toronto Airport Church. Bro, like okay, yeah. so they go and he, like, they start doing some weird stuff, and he is not 
into any of this. He just wants to see what it's actually like. Yeah. So he goes and they start doing some crazy. Like people start doing exactly this and like flailing around and like people are like on the ground slithering with snakes. Yep. Right? And just laughing. Yeah, just laughing about, like, and just like running around yeah. in circles. Yep. So then his friends, this woman, his friends like, okay, I need to go to the bathroom. So she goes to the bathroom, to the women's bathroom. And this is... Oh, no. This is crazy. This is like, this oh, is why no. this is not even Christianity. Right. I would say like, you know, if you're a Christian, this is... You should get out of this place. Yeah. He goes, she goes into the bathroom and she just comes straight back out. Okay. We have to leave. He's like, why? We have to leave. He's like, why? There's a woman in the bathroom masturbating for Jesus. Oh, no. <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, that's more than I've ever seen. He's but like, <laughs> what? And she's like, we have to leave. This oh, is, no. Like, this is too crazy. So the second like, coming. No. This is like, it's like, uh, so the first time he tells me, I was like, this is, you're joking, right? This yeah. Is, he's like, no, this is dead serious. My friend was horrified. So he, how, like, did she have the stall door open? Like, what the? Uh, I don't know what it was. I don't know if she was like on the sink, just like doing it up. But it was just like, this is why it's like, <laughs> it's good. This is too crazy. That's you know, like that's people make fun. They're like Christians, like oh, they love Jesus too. Much. I'm gonna be. I'm married to Jesus. It's like this is next level. Like you remember? That's next level. So like okay, so you're going back. Oh, God and these um, followers of God or whatever sort yeah. of God that they understand. They have a sort of romantic relationship. Yeah, it was very much like and and then like they love songs like oh the one scandalous song about sloppy wet kiss and all yes. that like oh and kiss me sloppy wet kiss god all this stuff okay uh, uh what were some of the other ones like um it, it's basically like if you took out the word god it would just be like a love song a love like song, to any yeah. any like lovers right. or you know um and you see people like rolling around on the ground everyone's <laughs> there like laughing pretending that they're like uh like this is maybe the more like advanced ones but like <laughs> kissing like the invisible god what yeah <laughs> yeah no yeah yeah it's like yeah no it was wild but the weird thing was is that like so i added some of these people on fa- on facebook and, and sort of like kept up with them because yeah. this is some crazy experience we had and i guess we just wanted to like stay in touch okay you know and back at this time like while i wasn't fully given to it i was intrigued and i was like what is going on i had questions myself and i knew even as far as i had gone that this was a little wild um so i still had questions at this time and uh so i I added these other like-minded people and they were like world-class pianists like professors like these weren't totally yeah one of the guys speaking had been a professor at um uh centennial college yeah Centennial or humber both of them are yeah exist on it was it GTA. was like a community college in okay. in toronto um or like yeah like the one guy went on to go to like this juilliard school yeah. of music and down the, like the very famous very famous yeah. and very incredible musician wow. and like these weren't dumb people and like this other girl was like an incredible singer released her own albums and all this uh others were uh just like successful businessmen like these weren't hobos like these were <laughs> these are like not I, I don't know how to describe it like they weren't in any other sense like if they weren't in this environment they weren't 
maniacs. They weren't crazy people. Right. And that's what I'm saying. It, it's, yeah. it's not so much that the people are dumb, like you were dumb. No. It's more so there's a, there's a sense of like, there's something happening oh, yeah. where you're unable to to look at it in, a, in an objective manner and say, oh, actually, these beliefs or these activities that I'm doing is actually very weird and mm-hmm. not very um, uh, rational. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if these guys are, you know, they very well, I guess, if they're, if they're top-notch in whatever field mm-hmm. they're in, they're not stupid. Mm-hmm. You know? No, definitely not. And, and I think that's why Scientology exists. It's like you have smart people, otherwise smart, wealthy, well-to-do, uh, intelligent people by, by a lot of metrics. Yeah. But then they believe these certain things that are just seem crazy. Yeah. Um, and I and I think it's because no matter how rich you are, or how wealthy or intelligent or whatever, like, there's always going to be these big questions that need answers yep. and, and seeking for some deeper meaning, mm-hmm. something worthwhile. And I, I think that's just universal. Um, yeah, but I. So just yeah, I got crazy and and I, yeah, like, a lot of people were like pretending to like smoke and like you know. <laughs> like smoking like, in the, the, the Holy, like the Holy Spirit. Spirit, yeah, <laughs> the Holy Ghost, yeah, yeah, the Holy Kush, yeah, the Holy, yeah. They made all these jokes about like, like the dank spirit and like I don't know. That was before dank was like a meme word. Okay, and uh, um, I don't know. So it's just absolutely crazy. Um, and then there'd be like people there, like this professor, community college professor dude, who like I, I think he like lost his job. Or like he walked away, I don't know what, for okay. praying praying for a girl in his class. But now he was doing this like oh. teaching thing oh. where at this meeting he uh, um, would also do these praying for people things where he would like lengthen their legs. And so I, I somewhere I still have like a video of this meeting oh. and like a video of him like straightening this or lengthening this girl's leg. Yeah. Somewhere I think it's on Dropbox or something. I could bring that up someday, but I... It's just, hidden away. Yeah, yeah, hidden away. Like uh, it's hard to watch some of these videos now, and not yeah. just like just like turn it off and cringe. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like there. I mean, okay, so this is pretty open to talk about, but I feel like maybe somebody would benefit from yeah from hearing these experiences or someone who's in it right now and mm-hmm. are like, okay, this is kind of getting weird. Mm-hmm. What the heck is happening? Or that maybe they know someone that's in it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're like, hey. You know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in their mind. Like, I don't think anyone would, anyone that you weren't telling them mm-hmm. what you were going through and like your thought process mm-hmm. wouldn't know what you're going through. Oh no! And there's no way I could unpack all of this because yeah. this is like years of buildup. Yeah. Even now, I'm just scratching the surface mm-hmm. with you. Like, there are so many more experiences. Yeah. Like, like the one tent meeting I went to. With the lady with the gold on her hands, yes. right? She said, oh, do you want to go out to this tent meeting? Is this an older woman? It was like an old, like, I don't know, Pakistani woman or something. Just sitting there beside me. Like old, me. like she's old. Well, like late 50s, early 60s. Okay. You know, I didn't know her. She was sitting there and she's like, oh, look at this gold on my hand. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Because I thought it was real. Gold. Yeah, yeah. Holy moly. And, uh, and so she said, oh, do you want to go with uh, me and my husband to this tent meeting out in the yeah. country? And uh, we'll take you there. And I didn't know. Her. I was like, okay. 
So like get in the car a few days. It's later. like sketch. Yeah, it's really sketch. But again, I was I was a pretty open person. I was ready for new experiences, and I just did not have much experience at all outside of the church. Like I was very sheltered, so I was stupid. Like do not shelter your kids. Yes, to some extent, but so you, wait, wait. So but you, you think you would sheltered pretty like pretty sheltered? You think you were? I sheltered? think I was quite sheltered. Yeah. We, or did you shelter yourself? Uh, well. I think because I was sheltered all the way up until going to university, okay. um, always going to church, always going to Christian yeah. school. My you whole didn't life. have to be sheltered that way. I was homeschooled for five years. Yeah, but years. you could still like. It seems like your mom. Like when you say shelter, what are you what are you referring to? Are you, are you referring to well, like, not questioning, so not something? knowing what a public school is like. Okay, never going to a public school, never interacting with those kinds of kids. Kids that aren't explicitly Christian, right? Just okay. normal kids. Um, you know, not, uh, not, no, this is probably a good thing. I, I would agree. But like w- only watching movies, of course, that are rated for you, like <laughs> you know, PG, PG movies, movies right? Yeah. PG friendly movies and all that. You don't want to turn like uh, 12 and you're a horn dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No. And so there's parts of that where it's like, okay, that's great. You know, you have this childhood, yeah. you want it, to, you want it to, to, you don't want to like throw on all the weight of, the world's crap right away yeah right you want to like ease into that once you have a, a parrot to walk alongside you or yeah. somebody like a mentor to walk alongside you and to ease you into all right this is what the world's really like right like you've had this great childhood which i would say i actually did have a very good childhood but anyways i get to college and yeah i had lived this shelter life right. all the way through and, and there's no one there with you though yeah that's i guess that would be a big and so that's all i knew and i'm not yeah. gonna like I'm not gonna just completely go out. Like I, I was never really like I wasn't a party animal. You, I wasn't like a heavy binge drinker. Yeah. Like it, when I said I drunk in Honduras, it, it, I meant like I went to the local pulperia, which is like a little corner store yeah. right, with my brother, and they don't check for ID. So like we got a beer, and we're like, wow, we are so bad, holy. So we like on our way home, just like drink it as fast as we can, and, and walk in like we're just no, nothing's wrong. <laughs> As if we had to try real hard. It was like weak as piss. <laughs> like, uh, uh, but yeah. And, uh, or like if we got real crazy, yeah. we would do like a cap full of the hard liquor at, uh, at like, like basically Airbnb places we would stay if they had like liquor in the fridge. Oh, okay. Cause like this is like if you guys are traveling. Or yeah. If we, like the one time we went to Guatemala and we stayed at this one resort slash apartment. And they had liquor in it. They had some liquor in the cupboard and, we were like just looking at each other. My brother and I were the troublemakers, right? Catful. Oh, and my sisters were like watching, watching the catful go up, because they knew like the moment it goes in, they're running to mom. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, we got, we got some dirt. All right, all right, mom. <laughs> yeah, boom. So they were off, and mom, they're drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, that was like the extent of our craziness, but um. Yeah, so sheltered, and then that was really the only life I knew, and that was what was familiar to me. So I wasn't going to just jump out of that right away when I got to college. And when um, you're in college, you're kind of thrown into it, mm-hmm. right? You're thrown in. I guess your brother would have been there with you, but he wasn't. He was in. He you. was a few hours away. Like okay, two, yeah. so it's just kind of it's almost just you, mm-hmm. in a new place, mm-hmm. thrown in. You you've always had your parents, your brothers mm-hmm. close to you to mm-hmm. talk to. Presumably, you talk to your brother right? yeah. when, when oh, you were yeah. growing up because we we shared the same bedroom our whole lives. Right. Yeah. So then you get it. You're like, wow, what the heck? The world's like this. And mm-hmm. then you're like, okay, I guess I have to figure it out myself. Which I I guess would have 
it would make things much harder than with than if you were to go to university or say classic Canadian would be like you go you grow up at a public school go home mm-hmm. blah 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 grade 12 mm-hmm. go to school say you go to like um, I don't know University of Toronto your parents mm-hmm. live in Toronto mm-hmm. and you come home your parents are there you can talk to them mm-hmm. or you live on campus mm-hmm. but your parents are like 30 minutes away mm-hmm. whereas for you your parents are what 8 hours away uh Oh, hundred like oh, hundred is like the flight would be like three or four hours. Three, well, okay, I thought it was much longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but then they lived in South Korea, right? Twelve hour flight at least, right? Yeah, and your brother's at least two hours away. Yeah, no, it was it was it was tough looking back, but at the same time, like it was really, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it was a formative time. Yeah, and I can't say I'm really. Like I'm, I'm not bitter at having had all those experiences. Yeah. I mean, there's certain choices I wish I had made, but you know, you can't go back and change those. Mm-hmm. Like certain things, you think back. I think back on it and go, "Oh, that was embarrassing." <laughs> you know, but I think everybody has those moments. Mm-hmm. That's not an uncommon feeling. They're usually of a different type. Like, oh, that 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 absolute rager we went to and did some stupid stuff. I wish that might be, yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, I was going to these ragers on the Holy Ghost. Yeah, and uh, just totally, totally weird. But but uh, that was my experience, and uh, yeah. So so what happened from there? Like, what was your next? Because you're going from here to here to now. You're at this point where you're like going to these, uh, where you're getting high on the spirit and yeah. drunk on the spirit, and then what? Well, got... then it it was kind of when I realized that it was getting harder to keep out of the classroom, like the university classroom what do you mean like i never i never brought any of these personal beliefs or anything into the classroom of the kids because i just feel like that's absolutely crossing a line okay but i mean when i was sitting there in my classes for university like i was secretly talking to ghost under my breath like you were not i was (laughs) oh like I was thinking, you know, and again, I'm not sleeping very much, maybe four or five hours a night, and I'm like the type of guy who needs at least seven or eight or else. I'm I mean, gonna... most humans need at least six hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. If I got any less for an extended period of time, like, I'm, it really gets to my mood. Yeah. So, same with food, like not having enough food. And this is about that time when I'm realizing, oh, this thing that, like, you know, my mom had always taken care of, trying to feed us healthy and all that, I guess I have to do that myself. <laughs> Um, and then add on that me trying to raise money to go to Honduras for a, a three-week practicum placement teaching down there. Oh, okay. uh, not having enough money because I was giving it all away, which is like you're still giving stupid. money away. I was still yeah the one the one time the one preacher flew in with his private jet and was doing this real charismatic sermon. And I felt moved to give him five hundred bucks no, off, you... off my credit card, cash advance, pants, just. Like, wow, yeah, like just, yeah, I just felt moved by the spirit. But this was this was this was in your mystical days. Yeah, this was this was coming out of the mystical days, and you were, or sorry, this was going into the mystical days, coming out of the Word of Faith days. Yeah, Joseph Prince era. Yeah, you, you gave know. him five hundred bucks. Yeah, wow. Okay, so now, um, oh yeah. Sorry, what? mystical days. Yeah, 
You're trying to you're you're toking the ghost holy ghost. Oh, in, yeah, in class. In class. Because I'm also not thinking straight. Like I'm so tired and just feeling worn out, and there's so much work to and do. You're trying to concentrate. I'm trying class. to concentrate, finding some source of joy. This is like February in Canadian winter, or whatever. Yeah, like and there I'm sitting. Gloomy. Sorry. It's like Canadian winter. It's like dark, gloomy. Oh, February. dark and gloomy. You're not getting enough vitamin D. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, the testosterone levels like not yeah like at its lowest at this point it was just not good like it was just and here i am finishing up my university and gonna go off and hopefully teach soon okay and here i just feel like i don't have my life figured out yeah and um sitting in class like feeling high yeah um Part of that's just psychological. Part of that's just like you're hyperventilating, basically, and that's just an oxygen high. Like, that's just biology. But um, anyways, so, so I get this Facebook message from my uh, my principal when I was a kid, my elementary school principal. Okay. She right. says, hey, do you want a job? Because she had known me and my family. Okay. And, and she knows, knew you were doing yeah, teacher's aid? Yeah, she knew I was at teacher's college. She knew my mom had worked for her as a teacher's aide back in the day okay. at my elementary school. And, yeah. and um, uh, yeah, so so she said, do you want a job? It pays decently well. Um, it's a Christian school up here in Corthas. And I said, sure, like, this is amazing. A teaching job, right? Like, back when the market really wasn't uh, needing a lot of teachers. Sure. And so I said, sure. And so here I've accepted this job. And, and the only thing I could think of is, well, I, I'm going to have to default to what I know for sure. Because this other, these other wadi, waters are so muddy. I'm not even sure on some of these other beliefs that I've been playing around mm-hmm. with. So I'm just going to go back to, like, you know, I'm a Christian. And yeah. I believe these fundamental things about the Bible. And uh, so I had the interview. And I, and I uh, um, you know, signed the document that said I believe the statement of faith. Yeah. And... Uh, and then I just started teaching, yeah. and and that. But this whole time you were teaching, you were questioning, questioning. Oh, right. for sure, yeah, questioning, and and um, you know, and and uh, yeah, just trying to teach during the day. Now the thing is, I never again, I never brought up any of my personal beliefs with the students or yeah. questions or anything like that because it never came up in our class. Yeah, it, there's no reason for me to bring that up. Um, so I just taught like homeroom, so everything and including even like band. They said, okay, we, we can hire you if you promise to learn how to teach band. All right, I'll teach band. So I was going home at night typing like how to play saxophone on YouTube, how to play like tuba, whatever. And I had friends that knew how to play certain instruments, so I'd have them come in and do a workshop with the kids. And I'm trying to plan for, for teaching and, uh, you know, going home and having all these questions yeah. and, and really enjoying again movies music things that just would not be pg okay. to any sensible christians so like i watched like the world the wolf of wall street i was like oh wow i'm gonna watch the wolf of wall street yeah. have you seen it the wolf was that with uh Ew. leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 just like just absolute opposite of everything christian uh anything like this is like your extreme man like you you were going pg 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 yeah pg 13 and then all of a sudden you were like, and, yeah you know, 18 plus a or whatever it's called like yeah. it was yeah and it was like by far 
it was it was almost a formative moment in itself and and like oh i'm watching this movie that is just like so debaucherous and like like i think at that time it had the record for like the most swear words yeah yeah yes yeah so and i actually enjoyed it and i was like what (laughs) what like what What? like totally new for me yeah and it was me breaking out of i guess a bubble and it was almost like that's when it hits that's when it hit for me where you can be in this bubble for so long that what is out there seems so appealing yeah and well yeah i would say it was a great movie i've never watched it since and and to me it kind of ended up disappearing in my memory um but at the time it was like oh wow this is i feel like such a badass for watching (laughs) you know watching this movie um but the thing is i think living in a very sheltered world up until this point um it 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 just leaves you ill-equipped for the way the world really is and it can make certain things seem more appealing than they really are Mm. that there's nothing wrong with it it's just like you I, I don't know. Um, you need to have some of these experiences so you can put certain choices in perspective. You yeah. can put uh, uh, certain ways of living in perspective. Like maybe, maybe the whole James Dean like rebel, um, uh, what do you call it? Attitude would be appealing to a Christian who's not allowed to do any of those things: smoke or drink or uh, you know certain Christians. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden that seems like an appealing lifestyle mm-hmm. to some, I guess, um, because you're 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 sheltered and you want to break free of these restraints or these laws. Yeah. And uh, so I felt like that that is what happened to me for a while, and uh, so the yeah. pendulum again swung in the other direction. Okay. And this whole time I'm just teaching normally; it's going great. And they said, "Hey, do you want to come back for a second year?" And I said, "Sure, I would love to." And uh, I was really again getting involved with the community and. Yeah. Felt like I had an integral role and felt like, wow, this is what I was meant to do. I always did love teaching. Yeah. And um, and it just felt like I had very good rapport with the kids. And, and so I just loved it. And so I came back for the second year. The first year I had to teach Bible. It was all about the life of Jesus. So it was easy mm-hmm. enough. It was like the Gospels. Oh, be a, be a good person. Be responsible. Be uh, kind, compassionate, all these things. Uh look after the look after those who can't look after themselves all that stuff like that's easy to teach it's not really controversial but then the second year they wanted me to teach from isaiah and like the prophets in the old testament so some very like contentious passages or like very dense uh troublesome passages passages. Yeah. yeah yeah especially for little kids like i don't know how like that was the stuff that scared me when i heard about that stuff in uh in church when I was a kid it's all the judgment stuff it's yeah. all the it started to bring back those thoughts of hell and, mm, mm. And, and those big questions that I had so it was a lot harder to teach so a few months into that second year yeah. you know again I'm teaching um, every other class is going fine then Bible class is like there's it's a bit iffy yeah a bit iffy okay. um, so but were, were you at this point how far were you on this pendulum swing you were going were um, you Complete, where you were like, nope, God doesn't exist type. Were you there, but you were still no. teaching? No, uh, I, I would have said that, um, I'm trying to think of who it was. There was a certain book I had read that kind of got to the very heart of this whole thing, which was the apocalypse, <laughs> weirdly enough, the apocalypse and it, the end times, because that had been yes. something that had bothered me for a long time. 
and that it, it was something that you know even as a kid with those questions about heaven and hell and yeah. the afterlife and all that it had worried me to the point where anytime I heard like a horn so for example in Honduras there's this one time I heard a bus like lay on its horn yeah. you thought the end times was coming I thought that was the end times I was like <laughs> oh shit like oh okay well God like, <laughs> forgive here me I now come. <laughs> take me now beat me up right <laughs> Leave me up, Scotty. Right. And then the horn just like kept going. I'm like, wait, that's a bus. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> but like I was actually scared. I yeah. was like, so Kaylin had walked around at the time, my sister Kaylin. She had walked around the corner and saw me and my face had gone completely white. I don't know if she remembers this yeah. or not, but she's like, whoa, what's, what happened? And this scared her because <laughs> she doesn't know. I'm thinking like anytime I hear a horn, I'm like, oh, this is it. It's like frick. Here I went and spent 2,000 hours on RuneScape <laughs> instead of on the Bible. Yeah, so I'm like, frick. And then the horn stopped. It's like, oh, crap. It was just a chicken bus. Right. It was just a, you know, you don't normally hear those up there on the mountain. Okay. You'd hear those on the, in the city. Anyways, things like that. It was just, it had always been a, a question that bothered me. And uh, But now you had to teach his kids. Yeah, I had to teach them. You know what? Hell is... This is what I believe. You know, hell is a real place, or maybe not what I believe, but what I what I think the Christian fundamentalist perspective would be. Okay. Like, so hell this is not. So you you didn't necessarily believe this. You just assumed that this is what they would. Believe. Well, I didn't feel comfortable saying something to the kids that I did believe, but okay. I also didn't feel comfortable telling them what I believed thought personally because okay. I didn't think it was my place. Okay. And I knew what the school believed, yeah. and I knew that they had paid me to be there to be a certain type of teacher who who signed the contract saying they believe these things about the Bible, about the Bible, yeah, yeah, and and about its infallibility and it and it being a true document all the way through and yeah. being the literal word of God and uh, the most important book in the world and and, and all that. Um, so I didn't feel comfortable talking about my beliefs, so I never brought it up. But as we got into these passages deeper and deeper, especially, I think it was the one, like, God said, like, bash their babies against the rock and kill all their kids and wives and, and everything. Yeah. Just, like, slaughter your neighbors, <laughs> neighboring tribe. And um, <clears throat> I'm like, ah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, you said, like, grade, grade six, seven, eight kids. And I personally don't think this is true. So I'm, I'm just thinking, is there some other way around this? I don't have to treat this as, like, the absolute truth. Mm-hmm. and still like stay in the terms of my contract i don't know yeah um so what i usually ended up doing was just having like it's like the popcorn reading you go around the class yeah. everyone reads a passage and, and it's like well what do you think about that people are like explaining certain things about the passages like oh what does this word mean and how how did um, but not getting to the point of the passage. yeah never like never like being like what does this mean for us today yeah um just being like, oh, the, the shepherds, they lived a certain way out there in the fields and they had to make sure all the sheep were back. Or, you know, trying to explain some cultural things about the passages or like what certain words meant. And I thought, felt like, oh, that's educational. And then we'd, it's not controversial. Yeah. Um, but then we got, yeah, I got to the passages about God saying like slaughter all these neighboring tribes. And I just felt like, well, the kids themselves were getting worried. A lot yeah. of them were looking like very... Um, distraught distraught like okay. how is this the same god is the one that we're told loves us and mm. cares for us and and they were like visibly shaken and worried um some of them more than others but to the point where they started asking me like mr frank like is that is this true like okay 
uh, there's a few that were more vocal than others saying, like, did God really say that mm. to like to kill them? Because like, that, I don't know, it doesn't seem like a loving. Doesn't seem like God. Or no, okay. it doesn't seem like a loving thing to do. Um, and I said, well, I don't know, I, I don't know. Yeah. And then they said, well, yeah, it's true. God told them to do that. Yeah. Because it's in the Bible. Yeah. The the one boy said that, who was who who then sort of became like the leader of the one half of the class. And, well, not leader. Like, this isn't like, um, what's it called? The, uh, it's like a divide that happened. Yeah, in it was like there, there were some, some in the class who, who, who were saying, no, this is absolutely true. This yeah. is the Bible, you know. And there's the other half that weren't sure themselves, and maybe they're worried about what that could mean for them. And um, so there were two on either side that were just sort of the most vocal. And so they started going at it, and... In, in a in a healthy way, like it wasn't like they were at each other's throats. They were just the whole class kind of got engulfed in this conversation, mm. in 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 questioning each other's yeah. points of view. And I yeah. thought it was really really good. Um, but they were basically questioning: is is this something that God said? Was He really like this back in the Old Testament? And then what does that mean for the rest of the Bible? If He wasn't, what did they actually mean? Yeah. Does that also mean that God doesn't send people to hell? Mm. Because that would be the logical, like if he's like if he's basically cruel enough to tell them to, to kill all these people that don't believe in him, yep. then he would also send people to hell forever and for eternity they'd be suffering. So I thought, well, I they asked me, Mr. Frank, like, do you believe in hell? And I said, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Which is you're just being very honest at that point. Yeah. You're like, I don't know. I don't know. And so what did they like? Uh, They're like, oh, you're, oh yeah. yeah. Mm, well, the one, the one half said, led by the one boy, yeah. said, oh, like, you can't be a Christian. <laughs> because if you're a Christian, you believe that everything in the Bible is true. And they were absolutely sincere. Yeah. Like, and the conversation, again, was a healthy conversation. Nobody was attacking each other personally. Uh, they talked about this all like all the way to recess. Yeah. Came back in, still talking about it. W talked about it all the way to the bus. It was a big deal, and uh, and um, I thought it was a healthy thing for them to question some of these yeah. beliefs. But then they went home that night, mm -hmm. talked to the moms. Mm. Yeah. Had some moms email me. And email say, you. Yeah. Said, oh, we want to come in and talk to you. Okay. And I was like, well, that's understandable. Yeah. So the next day they came in. And, there like a whole, uh, well, there's a three main moms, and it was, one of them was the one who had um, who had interviewed me for the job. Another one was okay. um, like a major donator. Yeah, like like parents of the, these are moms of the kids. Yeah. Um, the other one was a major uh, donator. Like, uh, oh, her like they they had they yeah. were doing well for themselves, right? And they I guess their money their, school, their parents yeah. had yeah, yeah exactly their parents had given a lot of money to school, so they had as well, and they were very. Uh, strongly Christian. And another mom was um, just just like a community mom, um, very involved with the community, wanted to know what was happening in the class. And yeah. so just had like, I don't know, half an hour talk with each of them the next day. And wow, yeah, really? Jeez. Yeah, yeah, they came in because they wanted to know, like, did you actually say yeah. that you don't know yeah. that, you know, what's in the Bible is true? Are you questioning some of these things in the Bible as being true? And I said, yeah, like I am. Like, I don't know. 
I, not enough, certainly not enough to say to these kids, this is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I thought it's important if I'm going to say these things to these kids with a belief that could potentially cause a lot of distress. Mm-hmm. I want to know for sure that it's true. Yeah. Because I knew for me, I had grown up with just like imagery in my mind of a hellstone and brimfire. Yeah. You know, brimstone and hellfire. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, <laughs> firestone and bridge tires. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so I want to know for sure if it's true. If I'm going to be teaching these kids, yes, this is absolute fact. Because it's going to stick you want with me, you want me, You want to have the conviction to be like, yes, this is true, and I'm going oh, to defend yeah. my points. Well, oh, for sure. Um, so, so yeah, they said, well, that's uh, that's unfortunate. Like, it sounds like you're falling away from the faith. Right. And that's just, we don't... We don't want you. Well, we don't appreciate okay. that, but we'll pray for you. So they like prayed with me or for me. Yeah. And at this point, you you weren't, uh, you hadn't rejected Christianity. No, you were just like mm. I had. I just could not bring myself to say yes. This is like I know exactly what uh, the afterlife is like. Yeah, afterlife is like. I, I know exactly what God is like. Um, I at that time I definitely had more of that bent of God being a loving God and okay. like a kind and forgiving all that stuff, which is I think a little bit short sighted as well. Like I'll get into that later. Like, but yeah. So th- so they said okay. They prayed for me, and then the next day the principal came in and had you know half an hour talk, and then she said, "Well, do you want to resign or we'll fire you?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I guess I'll resign." Wow. Yeah. It's okay. like, well, shoot. That's, That's how, so then you resigned? I resigned, yeah. And you were pretty and mad? I was mad. I was, I, but not, it wasn't unexpected. It was like I knew that, you know, I'm, I'm going home and I'm, I'm watching these non-Christian things. I have these doubts myself. Yeah. I have these questions. So it, I knew that if they, I guess, knew what I really thought or that I had these questions myself, yeah. then they would fire me. Yeah. So I, I just knew I had to sort of keep it to myself okay. for the sake of, having this job you know paying off my student loans and all that uh and I, I thought well as long as i'm doing a good job as a teacher then hey like what's the what's the big problem um but i, I also understood when she did find out and fired me because they as a private school had the right to use their money to hire somebody who believed a certain way and i totally respected that so i didn't put up any fight mm. i just said okay well i'll resign and uh well that sucks <laughs> So I moved to Kitchener because Kitchener is is close to some family members, and yeah. I thought I would have more opportunity in a big city to to rebuild, I guess. Yeah. But that's really when I started to de- deconstruct because this was the first time in my life that I was not in any Christian environment at mm. all. Like I was completely free of any Christian obligation. Yeah. I didn't have to go to church. I didn't have to go to the Christian school. I, I did actually have to go to church as part of my contract, and I would really try to like skip out on that. Oh, but, when uh, you were teaching? When I was teaching, yeah. Okay. So, so that's really when I got into the deconstruction where it was like, um, what do I believe? Yeah. Nobody is holding me to any belief now. No one's looking over my shoulder. Yeah. What do I believe? Yeah. And, um, yeah, now that started like the darkest part of my life for sure. Like, out, just a dark time trying to find a job, trying to, 
trying to work two different jobs, yeah. um, three different jobs. At one point, I worked at Hudson's Bay. During the day, I worked at uh, this like shelter for youth with addictions yeah. at night as well as the day like they they would sometimes have me working 16 hour shifts and then and then an eight hour break and then an eight hour shift and then from that eight hour shift go to hudson's bay and uh it looked somewhat presentable because i looked and worked in menswear and you know and i hadn't slept that night or whatever but so i was getting sick a lot i wasn't uh you know getting sunshine yeah i wasn't getting sunshine working these night shifts um not as much as I should, and this is now during the winter yeah. because it was it was October when I got fired. Um, so yeah, not eating very well because I couldn't afford it. Mm. Um, so it's like almost like where you were when you were in your prosperity days. Yeah, except very different context. Very different. Yeah. Oh, and one thing I forgot about those prosperity days and and trying to save money for that trip to honduras yeah. i mentioned yes. i was eating lentils right because it was cheap and it had protein yeah. so i bought like a 15 kilogram bag of lentils and, and just that's ate all you that were eating for weeks straight morning dinner like lunch all i ate was lentil yeah the gas was horrendous <laughs> the gas was i can only imagine that's yeah. all you ate that's for. all i ate unless i went to like if i was walking down the halls at school and there was some event going on oh i like i grabbed some like like appetizers yeah. you know or like if Holy i went to these moly. youth groups yeah or they had food and you oh eat. man i just stocked up like whew, i was just like lining my pockets yeah there was food and and uh it was it was crazy you didn't tell anyone that you you weren't eating well like your family no i was like no, no one i'm doing knew. fine i had people like donating food to me because they felt bad like they they how do they know uh well i don't know other than maybe they saw i was losing a lot of weight like i have some i have a i don't have it now i have a i can show you after a photo yeah. of myself where i just look gone it's <laughs> like i just look thin like and i'm not normally a thin like i'm 185 a i'm a thick boy <laughs> yeah i'm like 185 190 now yeah um and before you must have been like what you're six four? Oh, i was like 160 and you're six four six three six three and 160 that's nuts that's yeah. crazy no i was just very very thin um so that really has effect on on well-being and just a positive outlook on life and so here i am not being able to afford good food and i'm living in this like apartment that i found in kitchener that i found on kijiji just random like 38 year old lady living with this other guy who's like oh no that was another one that was another one one. um so and i don't know these people they don't know each other and we're just living there and 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 and, uh lived there for several months and uh, they started fighting about laundry and leaving okay. like revenge notes for wow. each other. Like, better watch your back. Payback's a bitch. You did your laundry when was, when I was sleeping. Yeah. And so I was like, I didn't know these people. Like, yeah. normally that's not. I don't know. I feel like if that was your family doing that, you could work it out. But like, I didn't know like how serious these people. Yeah. Like, I, I, like you didn't. That, I don't know. that sounds like. They're ready to kill each other. Yeah. Rats, bitch. Yeah. I'm like, what's going to happen? You're like, will I hear just in the middle of the night someone screaming and then you have to. Die. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So you just left? I left. Yeah. That night I. So at this point, you, what? You, would you say you're, you're no longer a Christian? You're out. I would have said, yeah, I'm not a Christian. You didn't believe in God or you didn't believe in Jesus. I did not believe in the Bible as a true historical accurate factual scientific document i would say um i gave up on any kind of personal relationship with god 
I didn't pray or read my Bible or anything. Yeah. Um, and one thing I, like, actually, it was when I got fired, I felt like there's both this release of tension, like, ah, oh, I don't have to be, like, that Christian boy anymore. Mm. But then I also felt, like, now you have anger, okay. like, and frustration, I guess, that, like, I'm losing my job, and I feel like the church has, like, fucked me, yeah. basically. Yeah. And so I, I just felt, and I'm glad I didn't do this, but I felt like going on Facebook and just being like, finally, like, fuck religion. <laughs> like, oh, just, like, rant. Like, Anybody wants to see yeah. that, right? But I didn't. I'm really glad I didn't. Um, but that's what you felt. That's like, what I felt. You felt yeah. like, like you're the Christians or like the Christian community that you were in, like just completely screwed you over. Yeah, and but I mean, I look back now, I'm like, yeah, I made some pretty stupid choices. Yeah, like I, I made some really bad choices, and that's entirely on me. Now there are people, of course. There's like those predatory preachers and. and and uh, uh, people out to get money um, by asking or telling or promising things to people who, who are, I, I guess, like, don't have other options or don't have other hope. Or so I don't they're know just what. desperate. You know? Desperate, just yeah. Desperate. And they're just preying on the weak. I guess. Yeah, and I, I still think it's totally on that person. Like, they do not have to give. I think it's on, the, on that person to not give, to, to be informed. But these preachers know that there are a lot of people who aren't, and they're going to go out and they're going to get the money. Yeah, right. Flying with their jet, ask for <laughs> money so they can yep. buy another jet. Because obviously, yep. you know, the higher you up in the atmosphere, the closer you are to God. <laughs> oh, and then the other thing Kenneth Copeland said is, "Well, I don't want to be flying on like a commercial airline." Did you hear about well, that I, he on television? Sure. He he said uh, he didn't want to fly in. That's about the jet, right? Yeah, he said he needed his own private jet yeah. because if you're on a commercial airline, you you're can't in a pray. tube full of demons. Oh, okay. That I didn't hear. I heard it wasn't Kenneth Copeland. It was Jesse Duplantis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was both of them on talking to each other. Yeah. Okay, because I heard Jesse Duplantis yeah. was on a video. He's like, yeah, I can't be on the commercial plane because, you know, um, I'm constantly being distracted while I'm trying to pray. So I need my private jet so I can pray. Yeah. Oh, Okay, all right. Yeah. But, like, people believe these things. Yeah. So they'll give them money. Yeah. You know, like, like you gave money. And yeah. there are plenty of other people who give money just yeah, just like that. And it's know? in that moment of, of euphoria, and then they play, they play it up the whole night. Yeah. With the, the music. It's so orchestrated. It's, it's music, it's emotions, it's charisma, it's um, flashiness. Yeah. They come in with the, like, just blinged out, right? And it's the flashiness, and there's a promise of grandeur and all that. And then, boom, donation time, folks. So you're not a Christian at this point, you're out. And so, in one sense, your whole, like, your whole identity is Mm -hmm. gone. You're like, gone. So now, like, like, you're trying to recreate. Yeah. What are you doing? You're just like, okay, I'm going to do the complete opposite of what I was brought up and what yeah. I've always done so you went to complete complete pendulum swing oh I'm yeah it just seems like I'm always about those pendulum swings until at least the last three years or so but you know I was all about those pendulum swings so I'm like why you know why don't I um, drink more I don't know why don't I try smoking why don't I try weed why am I a virgin you know <laughs> get on tinder alright well hmm. you know all these things um just had to try them again that's me being open me wanting to try new things 
uh, but that's also me just not having had the experience, not really understanding any of these uh, experiences or choices that I have to make now as an independent adult. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and then eventually swinging back from that, and, you know, so going, going to clubs, going to raves, going to these music costumes, smoking music a real festivals. joint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just trying all these things that, uh, I hadn't done before. And now, I mean, I still love electronic music. Like that was something that came out of that time mm. where I, I could finally listen to electronic music again. I loved it. Um, you know, back when I was a teacher, I, I, I would listen to like Kygo. I had discovered Kygo. Yeah. You know, I loved Kygo. I just listened to him for like months, like only him. Like yeah. come home from school, turn him on, listen. Ah, oh, it was great. Um, Skrillex. I, I I still enjoy Skrillex as a producer. I think I think he's great. You know. Um, Tritonal or Galantis or whatever. I still have that sweet spot for electronic music and, and the whole like festival atmosphere. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Like going to, going to these mosh pits and and it being like a totally different kind of spiritual gathering in a way than what I had been used to, where you're just like yeah throwing your body against people that you don't even know. It's almost and, the same thing, except yeah. without the God <laughs> part. Oh yeah, it, it is. It's very similar, and so. I understand the sort of playing on the same sort of emotions and and um but without the same sort of promise or, or yeah. I don't know what. I mean of course What's you can go too far with that too. Yeah. But um I mean unfortunately or fortunately I never got into like any hard drugs or anything like that. Yeah. Um I mean of course you'd see people right beside you dealing drugs and <laughs> whatever, but I didn't feel like I wanted I didn't want to get into anything addictive. Mm-hmm. Um which I'm glad like it's just wow I swung that far and I had some sort of sense of reason that's that's good <laughs> but anyways new experience for me living in Kitchener and having to find now a new place and um, uh, you know having to decide okay I'm going to quit this Hudson's Bay job because okay. it's just too stressful yeah. trying I was getting sick all the time and not eating well enough and 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 all that eventually I just said okay I'll work this uh addiction services center job for this for these youth and i'll just do night shifts only night shifts and i just thought that's going to be easier than trying to juggle all these different schedules and they can they actually need people to work overnight i could have more hours so that was so that was great so i started doing that and um yeah i lived for like a year and a half almost two years just doing night shifts uh just and just completely turning my schedule over, sleeping in the basement of this of this friend who had, you know, a friend of a friend who had a house who could rent yeah. to me, and and I've been living there ever since. He's great. It's awesome. Um, I'm so glad to have like just a stable place to be mm-hmm. where he's not like a nut job or anything. He has his own stable job, and yeah. So that was a really dark time, especially when I was when I was getting sick. I definitely contemplated suicide. It was like not something that I had attempted to do. I didn't yeah. have a plan, but I was like, "Well, yeah, I, I could probably die and not be too mad about it." Hmm. <laughs> kind of like nonchalant, like yeah. You know, you are like a low point, a yeah. very low point. Yeah, very, yeah, very low point. Um, so that was, yeah, that was tough. Uh, things did get better. Especially when I got on like a consistent schedule, I completely flipped. I used melatonin to reset my schedule and and would be on that for weeks at a time unless I had some event I needed to attend during the day. And, um, it was it was 
it was looking better. And then I started doing photography. And this is sort of the start of where my life is now. Yeah. Where um, a few years back, I started doing photography. Yeah. And I used that time at night to uh, to launch my my photography business. Okay. And so during the days, I would go out and do weddings, I would do engagements and shoots, um, you know, portraits or whatever. Yeah. And then I would edit those photos at night. You know, I, I could bring my laptop. I really had like six and a half hours of free time every single night because all the chores could be done quick. And yeah. so I used that time to start my business. And then I realized I was getting to the point where I was booking too many things during the day. Yeah. I couldn't keep up with this night, sh night shift job. And and it was getting too much, and I started to think, you know what, I'm I'm about back at that point where I could start teaching again. Mm. Like I, I I can see myself doing that again. I yeah. I had almost resigned myself to never teaching again because of the experience you had. Yeah, I just okay. thought like, well, maybe it's just not for me. I don't know if I want to go back into it yet. I couldn't teach in a Christian school, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and at that time, there just weren't that many teaching jobs. Um. I did apply for one up in Nunavut, and they said, oh, yeah, come on up. <laughs> and then right, last Jason. minute, yeah, last minute, oh, actually, bureaucratic reasons, we can't take you anymore. You know, I had already, like, bought all the gear for that yeah. and, like, parka and everything. <laughs> but I still use it, so it's like, hey. And it was, like, half price. So, But anyways, um, so, shoot, where was I? So you were starting, you started your photography business. You're like, I don't right. want to go back... Maybe I want to go back to teaching. Yeah. But you're not sure. Yeah, and it, it just, I was feeling like, wow, this is getting really tough to keep doing these these night shift jobs because um, it's boring. It doesn't feel fulfilling. Mm -hmm. I'm already at the point where really if I'm going to get this photography business off the ground, it's going to have to be, uh, like, I, I'm going to need to do a lot more during the day. Okay. And um, I've kind of got as far as I can with editing at night and, mm. and all that that was a great launch pad but then at the time i had, had a girlfriend who saw this post on her facebook by a friend who worked at this private school okay so so her friend was saying oh we need a photography teacher yeah so my girlfriend said well why don't you apply yeah. you know i'm like oh that sounds pretty cool like if i could do photography and teaching at the same time that would be perfect yeah. it's not even controversial they don't need to ask about my religious beliefs so like, yeah, they don't need to check like my ghost blood level, you know. So, um, uh, so I I applied for that and and they hired me and it was just a contract position for one term and yeah. taught photography and they found out oh I have a biology degree and I'm actually Ontario certified to teach and so I took a like I quit my other job. They said, yeah, we can give you enough work to continue here. So I taught biology. I taught uh, photography again to a bigger class. And, and that's really where I've been since then. Like I've been teaching there. Now they don't need any more uh, photography credits at the moment. They don't have any students who need like biology yeah. or photography credits. So now I'm teaching math and um, math and communications technology. Okay. So and and doing photography now on the weekends and summers and uh, so I'm really really happy with how 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 things have gone since that really really low point mm. and just in general feeling like I'm in a good position I feel really fortunate yeah that I have like family around me 
and friends that have been consistent all the way through. Like yeah. my my one friend, um, I met him at first year, almost ten years ago now. Yeah, you know, and he was in my dorm, and we just lived with each other for several years since then. And all the way through, he's been such a consistent friend mm. through all my crazy ups and downs. Right. And he didn't know the full extent of those, as not a lot of people did, if yeah. anybody. But he's uh, he's been very consistent and it's people like that and, and friend uh, family members that have kept me afloat and uh, so now yeah um, back in teaching photography business is booming it's growing and I'm really really happy to see that and uh, I still have questions mm-hmm. so while I don't consider myself a Christian yeah I don't consider the Bible to be true or historically accurate or scientifically yeah. accurate I, I would say I'm agnostic um, I uh, I certainly am still curious mm. I'm still open to new experiences but I kind of use my brain a little bit more <laughs> like so, I question things yeah. and, and I don't I think for everything for me it comes down to if this is true there's going to be some evidence mm-hmm. for it Yeah, and we need to look for the evidence, we need to investigate yeah. and ask questions, and uh, and and not just go with something because it's either conven- convenience or it feels good. But if you're going to say, you know, this is true and this needs to be shared and spread, there needs to be some reasoning behind it that's solid and there's logic there yeah. and there are there are facts and evidence to back it up. Yeah. So, so for me, the reason I wouldn't say that the Bible is is true for me or that Christianity is entirely true, mm-hmm. is just for me, I don't see enough evidence for yeah. resurrection. Right, the resurrection Somebody, of Jesus, you mean. Yeah. yeah, and I think everything else hinges on that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just think that everything in the Bible hinges on that. So, while I can't say to myself that the Bible is true, yeah. I, I um, would say that there are a lot of very good values yeah. in the Bible okay. or in Christianity that I still adhere to that I think are important that that are kind of just I don't know good person values mm-hmm. so honesty responsibility um, working hard um, taking care of your neighbor taking care of your neighbor uh, which doesn't always just mean free handouts <laughs> you know <laughs> um, but uh and what was the other big one? Oh, connection, like connection with other people. Yeah, community. You mean, yeah, yeah community. community. And I think that's really important. So, uh, yeah, so that's... So you, the funny thing is, the it seems like you, when you were a Christian, you had this like, it seems like you had a very strong notion that the Bible had to be historically true, scientifically true. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what you were taught, like that. This is how it's. But the funny thing is, for most of Christian history, the church fathers, they didn't really believe it. Like Augustine, like 300 AD, he was like, "There's no possible way that, for example, Genesis is historically accurate." Mm -hmm. Like he, he was, he. This is him. Like he. But now we have like Christians, and I don't mean to be like to use the term fundamental in a pejorative sense, but in a more descriptive sense. Mm-hmm. Like fundamentalist Christians would be like, if Augustine was around, he would be like, oh, this guy's not a Christian. He's a doubter. But Augustine, like tons of these church fathers are like, the Bible, 
is not historic. It's not supposed to be a historic document. Now, mm-hmm. of course, they don't, they're not saying it to the extent where like nothing is true. They're just saying, for the most part, you have to take these books as the literary form that they're in. So if it's like, you know, if Genesis is more of a narrative, like a myth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But a myth that had true, there was something true about the myth. Mm-hmm. Right? So it would be like something very simple. It would be like, that God created the world. But not mm-hmm. that the world was 6,000 years old. Yeah. Right? And it's funny because that is what most, not most, I, I shouldn't say most, but like fundamental Christians, that is what they believe in. So they will reject evolution for that mm-hmm. very reason. But then you look at historic Christianity, like, yeah, of course the church had its little uh, scratch where they're like put mm-hmm. Galileo in house arrest. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But they haven't done that since. Yeah. It's like, and yeah, it is interesting that that is the case. And would you say that's? I'm assuming you still have Christian friends, or you know, like oh, do I have Christian friends? Like fundamental Christian friends? Ah, uh, no. Well, maybe. No, not not any that live like the holy life. No, not like, in the sense, but in the sense where they believe, you know, the like, Bible is not the Bible. The Earth is like six thousand years. Oh, uh, not that I know of. But would you say that was a lot of? Your friends? Before? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, before? Yeah. yeah, that was a lot. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's still friends who... Because throughout this whole thing, I kept it quite quiet as far as yeah. what I was dealing with on Facebook. Yeah. Like, I didn't share anything real publicly. But previously, I, I did share quite a lot when I was really in that religious, like, fervor, fervor kind of phase. I would share, like, devotionals I had yeah. written. I had done, like, I had actually gone and taught sermons at, like, the, the local student Pastor um, Jordan yeah okay only one and they never asked me back <laughs> yeah um <laughs> like one one at that place I mean I did a few other little talks here and there but like I really believe this was like oh true and I was really going hard with it yeah. And, um yeah so I so I did share quite a bit of that um on Facebook and different bible verses or different like ideas yeah. I had had and um Oh, like, oh, just embarrassing stuff. But, but, uh, like, and, and what I mean is feeling like, oh, God spoke a word to me this morning. And all, it's like all fine stuff. It's all like, oh, that's nice, but it's just naive or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but you didn't yeah. share any of the struggles that you were going no, through. No, so never. Like, Cause that would be like a sign of weakness or yeah. doubt. And yeah. I didn't want to admit that I was doubting some of these things. Yeah. And, and so, uh, since I kind of just let that die off and I didn't go out there and, and just like rail against religion, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of my friends on Facebook, people that I, I do know in real life, yeah. but are just like, Acquaintances. You, you go different ways. Like at one time, maybe you're good friends, but yeah. then you go different ways and you're aware of each other and there's no beef there or anything. It's just whatever. They just don't know my journey since that time or maybe why i stopped yeah. posting because it was a very like a lot of people got engaged with those posts and mm. and uh um i just sort of like fell off the map and and um so i think for those people they're technically still friends but they, i think maybe a lot of those people are still fundamental okay. but i don't know i don't know because i haven't talked with them but um at the end of the day, it, it my friend circle kind of shrunk, mm. and part of that's just growing up and having different lives and marriages and all that. Yeah. Um, it, but it just shrunk, and it made me question, like, okay, well, what is important? 
connection with people I think mm -hmm. is very important mm -hmm. um, and uh, deep connection is important but you can only have that with so many people that's true you know um, and family is important yeah. because through all the craziness and moving to a new country everything else changed but my family yeah exactly my family stayed the same um, in as far as like uh, like of course everyone's had their own journey yeah. but um, but stayed the same in the sense of valuing the family and I think that's really important so yeah so while I do still hold to some Christian values a lot of things are up in the air for me yeah and what what is the answer like like <laughs> I just don't know yeah. like I don't know um, and I feel like that's that's something so I've gotten comfortable. Important? I think so. I yeah. think it's yeah. I think it's really important that to people, know. No, to 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 admit it if you don't know. Okay. I think so. Yeah. I think it's really important that that people get comfortable with saying I don't know. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel good to admit you don't know, because yeah. then that maybe exposes some doubts of your own or yeah. fears of your own, but. Especially if you're teaching or I think just in general, like if you have anyone looking up to you at all, it's just a good, it's, it's a good thing to be able to say, I don't know. Yeah. And, and not feel like you have to give an answer for everything yeah. or know it all. You don't have to be a know it all. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to be like, oh, you know, so if, say someone asked me about particle physics, it's not like, yeah. uh, you know, like. BS my way through that. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, okay, great. I don't know anything. Yeah, seriously. It's, well, and it's almost, it is daunting. Like, that's what I found. It's yeah. daunting to just face the fact that we know so little. Like, as a human race, as individuals, certainly. Yeah. Like, people dedicate their entire lives to some super specific field. Yeah. Some, like, subset of a subset of, yeah. sub of a certain field you know and, and that's their phd and, and that's their whole life yeah and in like hey if those are the people that are coming up with these like groundbreaking innovations in medicine like and it saves millions of people that's mm. amazing yeah but um yeah it's the whole delusions of, of grandeur thing sometimes you can do an amazing amazing work in uh, a very specific way yeah and, and it's because you haven't tried to do it all. You've just said, oh, I'm good at this certain thing. Yeah. And here are the opportunities that are available to me. Right. So I'm going to take them. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the funny thing that I've um, I've always been kind of skeptical of just tradition in the sense, tradition in the sense where just like pass down knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, you know, someone said this, someone said this. But if you, if you really think about it, human beings, because we are such, we are, finite creatures we only have now 80 90 years if you're lucky you have 90 years and of those 90 years like it's only around when you're 15 that you really start thinking mm -hmm. you're like, okay i got a brain i got to use this so it's more like you know 75 years yeah that you have and as a human being as someone that is finite there's only so much that you can know yeah there's only so much that you can specialize in and knows like if someone asked me if a flat earther came to me and said, why is the earth not flat? I was like, uh, I, I couldn't give them a convincing argument. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, uh, we have pictures written. I read in my books. Yeah. You know, I have like astronauts who've gone out there. They've seen it. Scientists. We have all these, you know, evidence that 
I personally would have not done like I haven't gone to the moon, mm-hmm. so I couldn't be like oh, yeah, you know, like I couldn't say yeah. I went to the moon. I looked down. I saw the Earth. You know, it was like an oval shape, whatever. Yeah, it was. yeah. But as a human being, because we're so finite, we have to rely on tradition in this sense, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't. So that's why I always kind of um, every time I think, okay, I have my doubts about like say a certain traditional knowledge. Not in like this mystic shaman knowledge, but like science. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, yeah, I definitely don't have enough time to research. I I don't know enough about that particular field to know anything more. I would. I'm gonna have to take it. Almost, I've come to it's like it's almost by faith that what this scientist, for example, is saying about a certain field that it's true. And like, because mm-hmm. I, I haven't done the research, mm-hmm. so like very recently. Uh, I think it was just like yesterday. Um, I've been doing a lot of research on sleep, like how important mm-hmm. sleep is. Yeah. And then I read this article. And this article, um, a bunch of scientists in Israel, they wanted to see what exactly happened when you were sleeping. Mm-hmm. So the only way they could test it was on this fish. I think it was a zebra fish mm-hmm. where they're like their head's translucent so you can see oh. what's happening when they're sleeping. Huh. And they put certain, I don't know, coloring. I don't exactly know, but they... They put it on certain neurons, so the neurons, when they fired, it was a certain color and they could see. Mm-hmm. And that hypothesis, and I think it was like, when you're sleeping, your brain's actually repairing. So it was mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. the idea had been that when you were awake, mm-hmm. you're actually doing brain damage. And when you were sleeping, mm-hmm. you're actually repairing your brain. Mm-hmm. But when you're, even when you're awake, even though you're doing brain damage, your, your brain's trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. But the damage accumulates to a point where the fixing cannot reach. So that mm. it's only when you're sleeping that's like ah oh, we're able to fix it. Okay. So anyways, yeah, it was this whole research, and they yeah. when the zebra fish, I think I think it's called the zebra fish. Yeah. When when it went to sleep, all these like neurons started firing, and it was all the fixing that was happening. Oh cool. And I was like, I, I'm, and so this guy goes and he's like, this is exactly what happens that our, our brains when when we go to sleep, our, our brains fixing itself. Mm-hmm. Just like you know, mm-hmm. you have a highway, and then there's a bunch of potholes. It's only at night that the Highway fixer can come and fix it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a, that sounds good fantastic. Yeah. I was like, but I've never done the research. I just yeah. kind of took it by. It's like, okay, I don't know enough about you know the brain mm-hmm. to be like, yeah, you know, bro, your your experiment here is not right. And I was like, okay, I guess it's kind of true. Probably, you know. Yeah. So like with the when it comes to um, certain things, where I think people will be like, when it comes to Christianity, they'll be like. Oh, you can't believe in this because it's tradition. You have to doubt everything. That's like, well, it's true. You, you got to doubt. Like, you got, yeah, you got to question it and look at why they might be saying this is true. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just got to be like skeptical. But just there's a certain point where you're like, okay, I don't know enough anymore. But then when it comes to something like the resurrection, yeah. why is it that you think it's the most important like why is it that you think it hinges on the resurrection? Well, yeah. Why do I? Um, I would say because there's somebody who's making a lot of different claims. He's walking around. He has a great following of people. People that have given up their lives to follow him. If, if the Bible is accurate, historically accurate. You're talking about like the New Testament, though. New Testament, yeah. yeah. So. It basically he's saying all these great things, but everything he's saying hinges on the fact that he's gonna die and be raised again, mm-hmm. and not just die and disappear forever. Yeah. So if he didn't raise, if he didn't like 
uh, resurrect, yeah. then everything he said was maybe good or, yeah. you know, it's a good worthwhile thing, yeah. but then it's not true. What? So why couldn't it still be true, but Jesus not resurrect? Why um, couldn't what Jesus taught not be true? Even if he didn't res- even if, even if the resurrection was false. Um, well, I guess I I don't actually have a problem with a lot of what he said. Yeah, it's just if you're gonna start talking about the afterlife mm. and miracles and healing mm. and all this other like there being this all powerful being out there. Yeah, it all hinges on. The resurrection being true. Why though? Why, why is it that you think it does? Well, I think if you were able to say that this supernatural thing happened, yeah. like it's not a normal thing yeah. that somebody would be raised from the dead. Like that does not dead happen. Yeah. Usually don't. Not, not if they're dead dead. Yeah. Um, not if they start rotting. Yeah. Yeah. Out. Like that doesn't happen. But if it could be proven that it did, in fact, in history happen, yeah. then there's all sorts of other things that could happen too. So, what kind of proof do you? What kind of proof are you looking for? Well, something probably that would be that could you, be it wouldn't upheld be by science proofs. nowadays, right? You, you can look for mathematical proofs. Well, mathematical proofs, proof would be cool. But like, how would you? Because because no historical event you can prove histor- uh, mathematically, uh, right? You yeah. can't really prove any well because historic events are no, in but the you past. can you can you can look at anything that has happened historically and be like, well, this is why this happened because we know this about biology and math and yeah and this that. So I guess for me, it would have to be like, yeah, y- you could actually explain biologically and reproduce it and be like, this is how he raised from the dead, um, and and this is why we understand why now. Yeah. So, but if okay, here's the thing. If you could hypothetically show that the resurrection happened biologically, Mm -hmm. then why is it even a big thing? That well, it'd be amazing. Well, if you could replicate it, yeah. Doesn't that like because you're because you're saying that okay, you know, Jesus made all these claims, you know, these very grand claims. Yeah, he dies and he says he's going to rise again in three days. So you're saying, okay, Christianity seems to hinge on this resurrection thing, right? Mm -hmm. But, say in like 200 years, we somehow figure out that, oh, resurrection is very possible if X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So then we find out, oh, resurrection is possible. Does that then make Christianity true? Um, It would probably have more credibility in my mind because... It's not making a bogus claim anymore with the resurrection. So then I might as well consider some of the other things it says that mm. may not be bogus as well. Yeah. But I would say, well, there are still certain values that, like, I, I think a lot of the success of the Western world has come from Judeo-Christian values mm. held held by those who who built the Western world, and yeah. um, and I think that's worth giving credit for and. So, like the success of Christianity, yeah, kind of lends a bit of credit to Christianity. Yeah, and as far as being worthwhile values to hold, and I said like individual responsibility, hard work, honesty, yeah. all those things. Um, those are important values, and, and so I, I want to emulate those. 
I don't need to believe in the resurrection though for those to be worthwhile mm -hmm. I think so so I don't know like I'm, I'm like well I'm no I don't know if I need to believe in the miraculous in order to live my daily life right um, so I don't know but of course I'm, I'm so curious yeah. like I I have gotten that much more interested in in uh, science and mm. evolution in explanations for the world um, are we living in a simulation I don't know not. <laughs> it's a curious question but uh, but of course I'm looking for evidence yeah. as well to back up all these different claims uh, which is something that I didn't really look for before I was looking for more emotion or, or whatever you know uh, um, a certain feeling to come along with yeah. these other explanations accepted in the past like like uh, you know, literal translations of the Bible or uh, or like maybe not that but like miraculous mm -hmm. appearances or whatever. So would it be fair to say that your rejection of Christianity or the form of Christianity that you rejected is just this very particular fundamentalist form of Christianity? Uh, yeah, well, I, I am well aware that I had a very weird experience uh, in the church. And uh, not so much growing up, because we went to like, well, we went to this Bible chapel, which it was a fundamental church. Yeah. And then uh, we stayed definitely along the more conservative end of things as we went to these different churches as kids, and then in Honduras. And, and then uh, it wasn't until university that I went to a bunch of different other ones. So I realized that I had... Yeah, I had a very sheltered upbringing and and uh, Christian upbringing, and um, so what I am rejecting is what I've experienced. Mm -hmm. But if someone's going to come along and say, "No, this is actually how it is, and this yeah. is something you should take on for yourself," but they're using the exact same arguments that the other denominations were, well, to me, I can't, in good faith, huh, like accept those. Yeah. Like I need to know why I believe that and have the reasoning behind it mm -hmm. and have the evidence and the facts and the and all that as much as I can. Um, so yeah, I just I guess I just haven't heard enough new arguments that that break ground and aren't using the same like aren't using like the Bible to prove itself or, or something. Right, and I, like I think it would seem that Christians that aren't in this very niche group would reject them like would reject that and would say yeah you can't really use the bible to back up the bible like that mm -hmm. doesn't really work it's just circular argument mm -hmm. like you know you see if you wanted to like i think there's jesus existed that there just seems to be no way that you can get around the fact that jesus existed there seems to be too much too many yeah, historical I would evidence agree, yeah but then there are still <clears throat> people who would reject it you know they're like very niche not niche, very fringe historians mm -hmm. that reject that Jesus existed. Mm. Most historians accept that Jesus existed. Mm. So like, it's like, and they're not using the Bible to prove necessarily, um, even though the Bible, the, the New Testament, they're like, okay, yeah, the New Testament seems to be written very close to the time of Jesus' death. Mm -hmm. like 40, 40 years, which mm -hmm. seems incredible. Mm -hmm. But, at the same time, it's like, what kind of evidence do you like? What what is what is what kind of evidence is it that you're looking for? I'm just curious. 
Like, is uh, it a, yeah. you know, like, would an, a philosophical argument do, or would a, or do you need a, I don't know, a, a biological, a, sci- a scientific is just a broad term. Like, what kind of argument is it that you're looking for? I guess, I guess it, it's like what you're okay with passing based on what it then changes. So, okay, so what I mean is, if Christianity is true, then it requires a complete overhaul of not only everyone's personal worldviews, but then also societal and yeah. changes in behavior and values and laws and all that, which is a huge undertaking. Um, so I guess if I if that were true, we would want to know absolutely that it is true, and have the exact have the evidence have have the um, the reasoning and the logic and the understanding yeah. and, the, and the science to to back it up. Uh, for me, at least, that's the way I see myself. I say, well, if it's some other belief, like, oh, did um, I don't know? Did Jesus wear socks? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. It doesn't really affect my life, so yeah or no, it doesn't matter so much, right? So any evidence is like fine for me. Oh wow, they saw him wearing sandals, so probably not socks. Yeah. Yeah, but I if the resurrection know. was yeah, true, so but with the resurrection, like it's like oh my yeah, my evidence has to be like solid, like absolutely solid, no flaws at all. It's right. like it's like it's like testing a part for the International Space Station it has to be like completely but are free you of making any. like a categorical mistake here we're like testing something material right like checking whether the camera works mm-hmm. that seems like a, a very mechanical thing mm-hmm. but like evidence for a hist- like you cannot get the same evidence or proof for a historical event that you can do for uh, a scientific test because scientific test in general, you, you want to be able to repeat it. Like you can repeat mm-hmm, yeah. Like historical events, you can't really do that. You can't really do the same. You can't put the same criteria because then you're making this categorical mistake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, it's like, oh, Julius Caesar was in this city on this day. Yeah. That's one claim. And it may be true. It may not. You may have different witnesses. Okay. Jesus yeah. raised from the dead. Yeah. Okay, and like that's a completely different. Like yeah. we have never heard of that before, ever, ever, ever. We've never seen it since. There's no reason we can think of for that even being true. It's so much easier to explain it as not true. Mm-hmm. Um, that unless we had some real concrete evidence, we're just gonna have to say it's not true, yeah. or, or or that we just don't have enough evidence for it yet. So um, make the claim that it's true. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, I, I just think because of the nature of the claim, it's so uh, radical and never seen before that you have to have some pretty good evidence to back that up. If it's the first well, thing. Well, like, just to my like, point, like, what is the evidence? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we don't know what it that's is going to be yet. Like, but that's the thing. Like, how yeah. can you ask for an evidence but not know the kind of evidence that you're looking for? You know, it's not, I just, so for example, like, if I said, you know, if like, like the lottery, I think it's like one in how many ever thousand or yeah. million. Yeah. It's like a, the chance of you winning is extreme. Like, yeah. like just like one in like a million. But then yeah. you win it. You don't really need like a radical claim, like a very radical evidence. You're just like, oh, yo, dog, look, I won. It's like with the resurrection. Oh, you well. Know, it's like, it seems to I'm, Well, I'm not saying 
that it's it's you know the, the analogy sustains itself but like what it would be the evidence would it be like I don't know hey look here's Jesus' <laughs> cloth Maybe somebody else being raised from that? Yeah, the Shroud of Turin. The, oh, yeah, 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 I don't know too much about that, but I know of it. Yeah. yeah. They, I would want to see it be uh, rep- replicable, mm. you know, some other uh, example of it happening, you know. Okay. That's what I'd be looking for. So, so that it just... Okay. All right. And the... The last thing that I was thinking of is you 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 went from this pendulum to this pendulum and now you're what in the middle? Yeah, I think I've definitely swung back and like mellowed out. Yeah, oh for sure. <laughs> like I still have questions, but it's not like oh these determine if I have a good day yeah. <laughs> or like this isn't like a uh, my life's in the balance kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. like well I've got the skills I need to make it through. My day by day, I'm happy to be teaching again. I don't have any major, um, you know, major nagging questions as I'm teaching. Uh, And it's like math and, uh, you know, contact. So it's pretty safe stuff. Um, So it's been been good. And, uh, you know, again, photography has been a lot of fun and branching out into videography. And yeah, but... uh, yeah, um, so interesting stuff. So since then, since my like days of listening to sermons and, and really pressing into God have ended, I've then turned to other sources of information to fill my time. So like I love listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. I love listening to different professors speak or lecture on different topics. Yeah. Um, I, I really appreciate Jordan Peterson and uh, Joe Rogan and that podcast and just the variety of guests that he has on there from all different backgrounds. Right. It's just fascinating. Right. Yeah, it's just incredible. Um, I think what the what information is accessible to people nowadays in long form discussion, right? And in the depth that you can get into a certain topic that you just can't with with other mediums. And uh, really like if you're on if you're on CNN, you have oh, like six minutes to like prove your point, and then. The last minute you're gonna make this one jab and boom. Oh yeah, it's like here you want to come on our show for ten minutes. We're gonna yell for five minutes and you can yell for five minutes and thank and, you very uh, much. It'll happen. Yeah, thanks very much. We thanks pleasure for having to have me. you on. Yeah. <laughs> I made my Call point. Yeah, I wrote a book that's five hundred pages long. Yeah, I condense it to five minutes. <laughs> just terrible. Like it just nothing gets done at all. So of course. Of course, you're going to see the decline in uh, mainstream media, and uh, unless they start to adapt and, and change, and as some of them are in, in, in getting di- uh, digital subscribers, and but uh, even then, I still feel like people are looking for an authentic experience mm-hmm. and like authentic conversation, and they, I can see why. Like um, nowadays, there is so much that is fake, and realizing how easy it is to Photoshop and to edit video and audio and yeah. um, pictures pictures and, and, and all that. And just the fake lives that people live on social media. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think people are, are craving authenticity and connection. Yeah. And uh, I think that's important. So I want to embody that. I mm. want that to be something that, you know, I teach my kids someday and I teach my students is 
the importance of of um, authenticity and uh, questioning people, questioning things, wanting to know for themselves what they believe yeah. and why they believe it. Um, now, that's yeah, that's just uh, not something that ever comes out explicitly. Um, but you know, as a teacher, I can tell the kids it's important to question things and uh, to find the answers. Yeah, yeah, and, and that kind of comes out naturally through science and the scientific method, and uh, and um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. So where can if someone wanted to be like, yo, Jordan does photography, you know, where where, where can they go to find? Yeah. Uh, well, if it's on Facebook, they could just look up uh, Jordan Frank Photography. That's Frank F R A N C K. Uh, if they wanted to look at my website, it's also the same, Jordan Frank Photography. Jordan Frank Photography. Yeah, dot okay. com. And uh, yeah, so that's that's just like a passion project that started as a hobby and then became something that I made money from. Yeah. And uh, it just so happens to fit really nicely with the weekends and summers that I get off from yeah. teaching. And I'm really, really pushing into that and enjoying that. And uh, yeah, so. They could look it up there. Yeah. And I, I would highly recommend Jordan Services. <laughs> so if you're getting married or you know someone getting married, someone's engaged, or someone needs like a some sort of shot, like mm. a photography shot, nothing, not other, not other kinds of shots. Recommended from personal experience, right? Recommended from personal experience. So uh, I did your wedding, but Jordan, yeah. <laughs> remember to, that? Yeah, JordanFrankPhotography.com. That's where you go. Well, Jordan, thanks so much for this. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I hope that we can do this again sometime. Yeah.